Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Monday, our new night. We're going to be here forever. Uh, one of the reasons, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, is the Big 12 basketball schedule is Saturday, Tuesday. Right. And so we're doing the Tuesday game. Yeah, games, we have a game tomorrow night. And uh, that got in the way. And so we thought, well, we don't want to compete against ourselves. Do you know, do you know what makes me happy, though? That already, like Mark Actual, best night of the week. Glenn Lumen's in from the Philippines already. Ruthie's in with us. Um, and, and like oh, yeah, Bobby Gardner, Howard. Alan Black, like we just want to recognize that you're all with us, and it's Monday. It's it's a day change, and you're all here. BYU Sports Attic is here. Jeffrey Siemens is here. Bobby Gardner's here. Thank you all for uh, making the change with us. Eric Eric Wade is here. It's going to be great. I think Monday night's a great night to have it. It's a great time to be the number one BYU sports live stream show in the history of the world. Eric says it hasn't changed. It's actually Tuesday for them. Yeah. Well, he's a day ahead. Yeah, that's right. Give us the scores, Eric, so we can get some action down. That's right. If if you're a day ahead, we'd like to know. We can get in on some Monday games. Hey, we're still on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and, of course, our home base, YSGuys.com. That's where all our interviews are, and there's hundreds of them uh, from Danny Ainge, Steve Young, Wally Joyner, Marie Osmond, Kyle Van Noy, Sherry Dew. Our interview with Harvey Longy last week was awesome. Them. That's there for you as well. You want to hear a story of survival with some yeah, my, tender mercies. My wife Brenda um, texted me during the show and said, I'm sitting here crying listening to Harvey. And I'm like, well, guess what? Dave and I are having a hard time not sitting here crying with yeah. Harvey. It was a riveting um, story, um, a tender story about what he's gone through. Their terrible accident, literally the Friday night before he was supposed to start in his first NFL game on Sunday. That's a good one. Anytime you can get these big, bad football players to open up and, and uh, it's like, we're not Barbara Walters by any stretch, but we, um, you know, you ask the right questions in the right moment, in the right way and emotions come out. And pretty soon you're, you've got a guy just spilling the beans. Well, I, I go all the way back to the very beginning of the show. We had Mark Wilson in, and we're about 30 minutes into it with Mark Wilson. And he goes, can I tell you guys something that I haven't told anybody in 40 years? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it's just us. It's just, it's just us, us just right the here. three of us. And then Mark tells us, and this format um, where we get to have guests on for a little bit longer, we get to get into the stories about their lives, has been so fun for Dave and I. Um, and we hope that it's fun for you all over the world uh, to be able to get to know some of these folks that you watch play on the field or you read about or you, you know, that have done great things um, from the governor of the state of Utah to, to astronauts, to musicians, to Broadway stars, to athletes. Um, we're about a lot more than that with these folks because we want to know who they are and this allows us to do it. So we hope that you enjoy that. And, uh, and we love that you're with us. Plus we love to say, Hey, Singapore, do you have a question or Australia right. or, or, or the Philippines, Alaska, yeah. Philippines and, and, uh, and BYU alums, uh, all over the place. And those who will listen on the podcast throughout the week and watch our little clips on YouTube where, uh, we're actually people see more of us than, than here on the live that's stream. Right. Uh, but that's how we're trying to blanket the, uh, the free world. We got an awesome show tonight for our Monday night. The portal is open. Did you put yourself in the portal? Are you good? I'm You're in staying the por- here? No, I'm staying with the show. I'm going to stay. I was I'm thinking gonna of going to well. another show. I'm not going to mention the other show, but they weren't going to pay me more. <laughs> yeah. so. so the portal's wide open and it's going to get crazy. 
there's some coaching changes, a couple of names being kicked around we're going to talk about tonight. And David Nixon's going to join us in a few minutes. Yesterday, he was on the sidelines with Taysom Hill in New Orleans as yeah, the Saints that? played the Lions. And once again, the Saints coaching staff blew it by not putting Taysom in more often in more situations that he's built for. And they lose the game. They deserve to lose. But yeah. I thought Taysom played great. They're not. And I mean, they take. They take advantage of his skill set somewhat, but not as much as they could. Why would you ever take him out on second down and one from the one? You shouldn't. And put in uh, Winston, who's cold off the bench. Why, why would you ever go, hey, you know what? I got an idea. Let's take Taysom out and let's put Winston in. That's like... Plus, when I have Taysom on my fantasy team, so I have, I have it, a lot of built-in... It even sounds dumber angst. than it looked yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. When you say I'm it. looking at the TV and I'm like going, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. We've proven that every week on this show. However... Uh, I need about a foot. I'm going to put Taysom in and you have him give me the foot. You can't stop him. If you, if you don't block somebody, you can't stop him. No. If you don't block two people, you can stop him. But if you don't block one person, he's going to score. So we'll ask Nick what his uh, yeah. brother-in-law is up to. So, hey, the, this portal thing is crazy. We're going to talk more, more about that. You and I were talking about that right up until we started the show because it's just got us scratching our heads and just going, what in the world? So we'll talk about that. Some folks are already asking about you know, who's going to be the O-line coach. We're, we're going to get into that. So, Robin, don't worry. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Hang with us, Robin. Um, we got Doug Wilkes, uh, Deseret News editor, on with us. You know, that makes him, he's the boss. That's right. Of the, of the oldest paper in the West. That's right. Like, way older than the L.A. Times. People think the L.A. Times was first. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. So there's going to be interesting so, things so, about yeah, the desert. So many news. fun things to, to talk to Doug about too, because he's been around the state for a long, long time. And, and he's you, been at, was at BYU back in the days in the '70s, and so it'll be it'll be fun. We've got some great things to talk to Doug about. Rarely do we have uh, someone in studio that was at BYU before us. That's right. But uh, not that a little a, before a little me. before you, and a lot before me, but yeah. still before us. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be and was great. And was an athlete there. We're going to we're going to tell you Absolutely that too. It was, was an athlete at BYU. And what's going on with BYU hoops? They are number 14 in the AP top 25. They're number two. Number two in the net poll. The net ranking, by the way, is what the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses right. to do their seedings and to determine worthiness as to whether or not you get in the 68. And BYU's number two as we sit today. In the Ken Palm, what did I see the latest Six. one? Six? Yeah. That's it's, unheard of compared to where they were last year. Well, spring. Here, here's the thing. So last year, um, against bad teams, they were winning games, but they kind of Played down to the level of the teams they played. They didn't beat any high, no. uh, you know, in terms of RPI or net teams, and they didn't play well against those teams. This year, they're beating those teams and they're killing the bad teams. They're literally running them off the floor. They look like a big time team. It's, it's. I can't wait for them to get in the Big Twelve because I, I keep wondering if this is fool's gold well, or not. Well, that's what everybody's thinking. I got a story in the Desert News tomorrow morning about that yes, exact you thing. Do. It's like what, what are we watching what, what, here? It, but. There's some there's some things that and we'll get into it in just a little bit when we talk a little bit more about basketball that I think carry over into the Big Twelve that that are characteristics of this team that I think bode well for them as they as they move into Big Twelve play. So we'll talk about that. Let's jump into some football headlines before David Nixon joins us and uh, Jay Drew of the Deseret News wrote today and it's all over uh, the chats depending on where you go to chat that. The BYU needs an offensive line coach. And Jeff Grimes has emerged as one of the top candidates. Um, he has withdrawn from the UTEP head coaching search. UTEP named a new coach today. And um, all points, all signs point to a return of Grimes to uh, BYU. And if that is the case, with an if, how big is that for the offensive line, which is his wheelhouse? Yeah, well, Jeff Grimes not only 
is one of the great technicians in college football in terms of coaching offensive linemen, like from foot placement to hand placement to pad level to all of that. So, so he teaches it. He's also one that is one of the, the most, uh, I would call him, highly accountable uh, offensive line coaches in the country. So like he's going to make sure that these guys are highly accountable for what they do, that they do technique-wise what they're supposed to do, that they're blocking who they're supposed to block, that they know what they're doing or they won't play. And so I think, I think he brings an edge um, to an offensive line that's, that's hard to match anywhere else in the country. That let's he, in let's be honest, we didn't have an edge. On the offensive line, no, this and year. We, we had when, big guys who didn't have an edge, right? And when and when we talk about Jeff Grimes, he, he he'll bring that edge to that offensive line. Um, those guys will be mean and nasty, and uh, you know we, we don't have a formal announcement yet. We're, we're waiting on that, but uh, you know you saw it, you saw it in the papers today that he's right at the top of the list. Here's the other thing, Jeff. You know Jeff knows he's been at BYU a couple of times, right? And he knows the culture. He knows what it takes to recruit here. Um, he's very comfortable here, so it makes a lot of sense. Now, remember, there's another position open as well. Yeah, and, uh, tight end coach. Yeah, and tight end coach. And remember that Jeff Grimes was the tight end coach at Baylor. And Mateos was the offensive line coach. And Jeff Grimes was the run game coordinator. Yeah. So do they go out and get another guy that comes in tandem with him? Let's say, and I'm not saying this guy, so don't nobody quote me on this. But say somebody like a Ryan Pugh, because remember, be a great idea. When, when I think that when when Jeff Grimes and Ryan Pugh were here together before, man, I felt like that was as good as we had um, in years. Is you know in terms of how that offensive line performed and how much they lived up to the potential when you had those two guys working together. So could we see something like that? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, well, I do. But know, we're going to find out here pretty quick. Yeah, we're going to find out very quickly. Um, and. Um, we do know that Jeff Grimes is right on the top of the wish list, and and that would be an easy one. And and someone like Orion Pugh would be great to bring in with Jeff Grimes. Uh, yeah, and we'll be watching closely because we feel like that that there's some kind of announcement to be made this week. Uh, so hang with us. By the way, Neil's in from Tucson, Arizona. Nathan from Lake Orion, Michigan. Is it Orion, O-R-I-O-N, or is it Orion? I think it's Orion. And, and did Orion just miss out on the big lakes voting? That They were like sixth or whatever. You know? oh, do you remember Orion's? Maybe it's a small lake. Do you remember what Orion's belt is? No. It's a star constellation, but it was also the thing on the cat's um, collar. Orion's belt was on the cat's collar and MIBs, the men in black. Really? With Will Smith, yeah. I didn't notice that. Orion's belt, yeah, it was on the cat's collar. <laughs> Greg's in from Provo <laughs> as uh, the wise guys on a Monday night. Hey, uh, Tyler Batty announced over the weekend yes. that he's coming back for next season. Now, I don't think any of us thought Tyler was ready to go to the NFL, but a lot of guys start thinking that they might be, or if they want to come back and go through the college grind. He's been here a while. Um, but another year uh, in this defense, we'll, we'll get him ready, give him a shot. And, and what it does is it also gives BYU a shot because they've got John Nelson back healthy. Yes. You can build around Batty and Nelson with some recruiting, whether it's in the portal or whether it's in the JC market, which they're heavily involved mm -hmm. in, uh, to beef up the interior line. Yeah, you need some monsters inside. And then, you know, what I like is that I feel like Tyler Batty played at his best um, down the stretch. I thought he really started to come into his own and started to understand this new defense better and what was expected of him and how to play within it. <clears throat> and so I feel like the decision to come back is a good one because now this defense in year two, 
like I, I felt the defense was really good at times, and there were some lapses at times. And those lapses wasn't because the guys weren't playing hard, um, because guys were out of position, they weren't gap sound. We talked about it a lot on our AFR show. We've talked about it here. Nixon, who's coming on with us, boy, he and I talked to her blue in the face about, about run fits and all of that. But it was a brand-new defense for all of these guys except for Eddie Heckard and Cam at the corners, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I feel like he got better and better in terms of his assignments as the season went on. Now you bring him back and this whole other cast of characters back year two in this defense. You watch this defense take a monster jump here in year two. I I really believe that it's going to be one of the best defenses in the Big 12 next year. Batty, second team, all Big 12. So it'll be good we have uh, him back. By the way, a shout-out to Steve Sarkeesian, our friend and former Mm -hmm. Cougar quarterback, head coach of Texas. They win the Big 12 championship. Beat Oklahoma State 49-21. to 21. It should have been Oklahoma because we should have beat Oklahoma State. Yes. But it wasn't, so it was our fault that that was such a lousy game. But uh, Sarks go into the college football playoff and a chance to, to win it, which uh, I still think it's amazing that a former BYU player has the number one football job in America. And, and you know what? As a head coach His team at Texas. is peaking at the right time. Yeah. They've looked, they looked really good last week. Like, they're playing well. Our first guest tonight is our colleague on BYU TV and former NFL linebacker, Cougar star, David Nixon. And uh, Nix, well, first of all, welcome back from uh, New Orleans. Uh, you were there with, uh, with your boys to hang out with Taysom as he uh, played the Lions. And uh, I know you put this picture out on social media. We're going to show it here in a sec. Uh, how, first of all, good evening. And secondly, how was it hanging out with wait, Taysom? Wait, first of all, where are you? Are you at your I'm, house? I'm here at my house. Do you live in the um, temple? Like, what is going on? Is that like, the temple room? This is my this is my living room, guys. It's got the we got the stocking oh, going. Oh, nice. Okay. nice. My, my office my office is under renovation right now, so I I, I moved venues <laughs> into yeah, my family you, room. You were blocking the TV, and the, I was like, man, I think Dave's coming to us from the temple right now. That's, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> that looks good. I'm glad you got the tree. That's out. next week's. That's, that's next, next week's appearance. Next week's appearance. <laughs> Hey, what, uh, what, what was it like hanging out with Taysom and, and uh, treating the boys to an NFL game? It was fun, man. They, that was my first time. My little boys, I feel guilty for saying this. That's the first time I've taken them to New Orleans. I've been to probably a dozen games down there. But I finally took them down there. Just because of sports and school, it's always tough to get them down there. But uh, they had a blast. We got in the game. We got in the field pregame. I think that's the picture right there you see in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, got to see what's up to taste. I mean, he, he dabbed him up and all that fun stuff. And then after the game, we got down on the field. Uh, and unfortunately, we, we flew back last night. And so we didn't get to see Taysom after the game. So I texted him. I said, hey, great job. Uh, you know, great game. You killed it. You crushed it. And he goes, dang, I wish you guys were here. I have the, the football that I scored my touchdown with. I have it here for your boys. Oh, <laughs> he's going to have to mail it. You have to mail it. Yeah, that's what he said. My parents were actually down at the game as well, so they're gonna they're gonna bring it back. That's but, awesome. Uh, Taysom just a stud. I tell you what, that that guy. I mean, he does what they ask him to do. The the fans, the crowd love him. I, I'd say probably one out of every three jerseys is a Taysom Hill jersey. Mm. Um, they just love him down there in New Orleans, and rightfully so. He's he's an absolute beast. Um, he's unstoppable. Even even when he lines up as quarterback with the running back in the backfield, they know that he's gonna run power counter. And he still gets six, seven, sometimes 10-plus yards per carry. It's it's unbelievable what he does uh, and the spark that he provides to that offense. It's it's fun to watch. And, and I'm telling you, you probably heard on the telecast, but every time he came in the game, the whole crowd erupted. I mean, they, they love seeing him in there. And listen, some of that's maybe due to, to Derek uh, Carr's issues he's got going on right now. But it was it was a fun game, and it was, uh, it was a fun comeback. Obviously fell short, but 
it's fun to see him try to make a run there at the end. So, so this begs the question then, with, with everything you just said, second and one, let's take Taysom off the field and put James Winston in the game. Like, what in the world? Did the fans boo? Like, what, what are they even thinking? Oh, there were, there were audible boos going on. Yes, there were lots of boos. Um, Just give yeah, it to Taysom. It, it, it's a touchdown. It's, it's, it is a little baffling. I'll be honest. It's, it's baffling why he doesn't – we get down the red zone. Why does it get more touches? It's just like it's it's a guaranteed at least three or four yards, right? And we yeah. talk about it all the time. If you get four yards per carry, that's a first down every single time. Just run them the whole game. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, you know, he had he had the deep ball he threw that he almost connected on, you know. And and listen, that's tough. That's tough to come into a game and Blaine, you're a former quarterback. You can attest to this. It's tough to come into a game cold and all of a sudden they asked him to throw a 50 yard bomb. Uh, but still he was riding the money just to just probably under threw it a little bit, but um, yeah, it's pretty impressive what he's doing, obviously, with, with, with the little no, no, practice. No, nobody's ever done better than what he's doing. He like, was returning kickoff, too. Yeah, they had him back there on kickoff. He's the most unique player the league has ever seen. Yeah. I think he's got a spot in the Hall yeah, of Fame because coming he's up. Like, yeah, he's already setting records, but it's just crazy. And we, we all knew he was a freak when he was here. We're like, this guy's the most freakish athlete we've ever seen. You're not supposed to be that big. That, like I was saying, I had never seen anybody in BYU's program remotely as athletic when I'm talking about size, speed, explosiveness yeah. since Luke Staley, but then add that he can throw the football and do all of that. It's it's like nobody has ever come through BYU like him and nobody's been in the NFL ever like him. It's it's crazy to think of. I like that he's still a good dude, you know, and that he hangs out with his nephews and, and that's important to him. He's, he's not a good dude. He's a great dude. Yeah. Honestly, I, I couldn't ask for uh, somebody, somebody better to look up to for my kids and, and for kids all across Cougar Nation and kids all across the country, Saints fans. I mean, he's he's a fantastic role model, uh, great guy, great great husband to my sister, great father to my nephews. He's just an all-around great, great guy, so it's hard not to root for him. And, and I think that, once again, I think the fans in, in New Orleans feel that, and that's why you see so many of them supporting him. I mean, I yeah. can't tell you how many people say that he's their number one uh, – they're, they're, he's their number one player on the team because they just they just love, love him. And they don't even they don't even know all of this history and all of the injuries they overcome to Seriously. even get to that position. You know, what? we used to get after Robert and I for his limited playbook because it was just, hey, Taysom, just run it every time. Yeah. I wish Robert and I would call the Saints and say, let me yeah. give you some. <laughs> just just put him in and have him do it like all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's a remarkable story, and to keep grinding the way he did with the major injuries they had, and they were all fluke injuries, and he just kept grinding to find himself where he is. Is is, is pretty amazing. So. Hey, I know we just have a few minutes with you because your boy's got a ball game tonight, so let's jump right yeah. into it. In the event that it's Jeff Grimes back to coach the offensive line at BYU, and we were referencing Jay Drew's report in the Deseret News today that all points, all, all signals seem to be pointing this way. Uh, is that good? I think it's. I think it is good. I mean, listen, he, there's no question he knows how to coach the offensive line. I mean, and, and I, I played there when he was there. Uh, he's been back for a second stint. We got to be around him. Um, the guy's a technician, and he knows how to coach up that O-line. He brings back a lot of experience. He's a guy who's been at, at major P5 programs across the country. Um, and, and I think he's just one more resource there in the offensive room for Aaron Roderick, who clearly needs some help kind of in the run game to get that sparked. And if he comes back and he's a run game coordinator, I, I, I think, listen, I think he, he provides a lot of value to that offensive room. Um, but this offensive line group, it struggles. There's no there's, – there's, you know, it's obvious. Everyone knows that. Um, I think that the type of discipline and, and the technical side that he brings, I think it would prove uh, you know, pay dividends for this offensive line. I think you see a vast improvement uh, beginning as soon as next year with, with that offensive line and what he can do. 
You know, Dave, we, we saw um, ETN, for example, you and I break down a film for AFR, and there were plays where, like, you just wouldn't block someone. And it almost looked like he was confused. Then there would be other yeah. plays where he knew what he was doing, and he would come down and he would literally obliterate somebody. And we'd go, oh, what, what's, who's that dude? Does that get fixed if Jeff Grimes is the guy? I, I, it has to. Um, when you have that big of a body, that big of a human, and when he shows potential in certain plays to go down, like you said, and wash down the entire right side of the defensive line, um, and then the next play he whiffs on a block because he just he, he just lets him loose, that's a, that's a learning thing. I mean, that, he's got the skill. He's got the ability. He's got the size. Now it's can you simplify the offense? If he's not getting it, you got to simplify it uh, and find ways to teach him. This goes back to – I remember my days – we did one of those color wheel testes, uh, tests where every player had to take this test, this personality test that tells you kind of how you learn. What's the best way to learn? Is it, is it imagery, right? Is it drawing on the board? Is it reading? Uh, is it verbal? And so I think that's something that these coaches, that's their job. They got to find out how do I get to each specific kid? How do they learn? And maybe Etienne, maybe the way he's learning is not the way the other kids are learning. So you got to adapt the, the way you teach to, to each player. And, and, and so I would say that, that's the first thing you come in and you find a way, how do I get this guy to perform and not miss on blocks? Because when he doesn't miss and when he's doing his job, he's, he was dominant. But listen, there were lots of times this year that everyone saw where he whipped on blocks or he, he completely wrong assignment. Um, and, and it cost BYU. You had free runners to the quarterback and, and some of those results in turnovers. And so got to find a way to get that fixed. And listen, that's the type of guy Grimes is. He's, he's once again, he's a technician. I think that's something he could definitely clean up. Transfer portal open today. It, it's completely nuts already. You got quarterbacks who are supposed to be in New York Six Bowls uh, who are putting themselves in the portal, like Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma's quarterback. Um, Ohio State's got some guys. Texas has some starters. They're in the playoff, and they got guys going into the portal. Uh, we haven't seen anything like it. This year's going to be bigger than the previous two years because the underclassmen have figured it out. I can get a pay raise, yeah. and I might be able to uh, get a starting job without having to earn it. And so it's just piling up. What? What do you? What do you? We're going to have a couple thousand people in this portal before we're done. I think that's the biggest worry, right? I think this, this it gets overburdened, and and all of a sudden, coaches and staffs are like, I can't sift through two thousand kids. Uh, and and next, you know, there's gonna be some kids that are left out to hang, and they don't have a place to go back to because yeah. their scholarship's been taken by another uh, portal kid. So, I, this portal thing is wild. It's it is a wild wild west. I think to your point, you know, a lot of these coaches are trying to get ready for bowl games. They don't have time to go sift through the portal. Um, fortunately, there's kind of a dead period now between now and bowl games, but. So they hopefully get a head start on it. But, uh, you know, for a lot of these other schools that are playing in bowl games, it's a tough. You're trying to balance two things. But, uh, listen, I, I actually don't hate the portal. I, I think it's, you know, adds a whole new element and it allows kids that are in bad opportunities to go find better. Um, I, I think it just needs a little more oversight. I, you know, the kids need some representation. I mean, you think about NFL free agency, you all have agents. Yeah. This day and age, some do, some don't. And, and there just needs to be a little more structure to it. Um, but uh, I agree. The whole thing's wild. And to your, and to your point, Dave, too, it's, it's getting larger and larger every year. And, and so the question is, what, yeah, how, how do you manage this as more and more kids continue to enter? I, I, I don't know. That's something that the, the NCAA has got to look at, take a tougher look at. How, how much of this, Dave, do you think um, – well, first a comment. They, don't they have to have caps? I mean, they're doing the NFL and the NBA. Like, it's just crazy. The, you know, Ohio State's – starting quarterbacks in the transfer portal and is saying, uh, yeah, I probably need 2.5 million, 2.5 million. And then, then Dylan Gabriel, who already transferred from central Florida to Oklahoma is now in the transfer portal again. So with that, 
How many of these kids are just in the portal right now to leverage themselves to get more money and go back to where they're going? Do you think that that's happening right now? Like, let's say Dylan Gabriel, um, is he just going, okay, Oklahoma, people are willing to pay me two million bucks out there. I'm willing to stay, but you got to pay me two million. Is that actually happening? I mean, if, if history proves right, how many of those kids actually went back? I mean, we had, well, you had Cody Epps. They, they tested the waters for, what, 12 hours? Right. right? I mean, it was the very next day he, he decided to come back. Um, but I don't know how many of them actually end up going back to the same university. And I, I, listen, there's some burned bridges that happen there, too, where kids leave and the, the school feels slighted and coaches move on you know, emotionally. I, I don't know. I mean, yes, if you're a top player like a Dylan Gabriel, yeah, he probably can go back to Oklahoma and get some more money. I think there's some leverage plays there, but we're talking a handful of kids, right? Same thing with uh, with Al State. I mean, there's 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 probably a dozen or two kids that that have that type of leverage, and the other call it 1,900 kids don't. Right. And, yeah. And they think I, they might. I, I, they and, think they might. Yeah, they think they might. And BYU's yeah. probably not going to get one of those kinds of kids, but maybe they get some of the other 1,900. So. What you know, Dave did a great article on BYU's shopping list out of the portal. What's what's your thought on what BYU needs to do in the portal? Uh, you know, I, I think two things. I, I think you've got to go back to find a quarterback. Um, I, listen, I, I I like what I saw from Jake this year. Yes, he had some mistakes, and yes, we've talked about the AFR where that happens with young quarterbacks. Uh, but I think he can be coached through that, and he's going to learn. He's got a whole off season to go back and watch his film and, and see all the mistakes he made. Um, so I, I, I'm not I'm not done with Jake Redstock by any means, but. I do think now with Keenan being gone, I think you need a veteran quarterback that can come in there and mentor him uh, and that can push him. Competition breeds success, right? Co- competition makes the, the cream rise to the top. So you, you've you got to find a way to find another quarterback that can push him and maybe even take his job. Um, but I think quarterback first and foremost, and then I've harped on this for years now, and it's for me it's all about the defensive line. Uh, BYU, in order to, to play Jay Hill's scheme, the way he wants to play it, they've got to go out there and get the big dudes – uh, similar to what, frankly, Utah has. And, and I know that's tough to say, and it's tough to find because those those guys come at a premium. Uh, but they've, they've got to shore up that defensive line. I, I think BYU traditionally recruits uh, great at linebacker, safety, corners. BYU's very young in that position group as well. So I think BYU's okay there. But that defensive line is something where, you know, having Tyler Batty come back, that was welcome news. Uh, but, I, but I think you need some more nose tackles and bigger bodies in the middle that – it just help plug some holes to allow these linebackers to run a little more free. And All right. block eaters. In our last three minutes with David Nixon, our friend and BYU TV football analyst, let's say you're the commissioner of the college football playoff, and here it is Monday night, and you're still being bugged about the selections of Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas, and you say what? Listen, we only have three minutes. I mean, I listen, I, I am still <laughs> irate about They got it wrong. They got it wrong. Who, I, who I don't should care. they have had? I've been, I've, I've got I'm on like four different text threads with buddies. You don't you don't want Bama in this nonsense, right? Bama should not be in, right? No, Florida State should be in this. I don't care if they're on their third string quarterback. Their second string quarterback should be the one playing in the playoff game. And then you tell me what what's wrong with a three to zero result? What if their defense goes out there and shuts out the you know Michigan? Right? Like that's football. Like you, you there's there's 22 players on the field. I think they got it wrong. I, I think it's a travesty. You got Florida State who who's undefeated, won their conference championship. Um, Alabama had their shot when they played Texas. They lost to Texas. That was their shot. It's done. I get at home, by the way. At home, right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you what. And, and Alabama, Alabama looked like the best team in the country when they beat Georgia on Saturday. Yeah, that. But they didn't look the best when they they almost lost to Auburn. They had to have a hell mary right. to, to beat true. Auburn. So it's like any given any, any given Saturday, any of these teams can look great or look bad. I 
but you got to go by the records and the records is Florida state had the best record between those two. And, and thank goodness, you know, thank goodness we go to 12 teams. Thank goodness we go to 12 teams next year. Right, yeah. Dave, because, yes. because I like, Hey, there's no telling. If you go to 12 teams this year, who's to say that Oregon doesn't get hot and win the whole thing or Ohio state doesn't get hot and win the whole thing. Like it's, it's a travesty. We're not at 12 teams this year because this year really points out that it needs to be more. And, and this year is interesting because I feel like, honestly, between – I was talking to somebody about this today. Between college football and NFL, there's not really a clear-cut champion this year. Like, I, I, if you told me that in the in the Final Four, Michigan being one, Alabama four, I think any of those, those teams in this playoff could beat each other. And I, I have no idea who's going to win the championship. Usually we're always like, oh, it's Georgia, it's a toss, shoe in, just get it done with. NFL, oh, it's easily the Kansas City. Look what happened to Kansas City last night. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what's so fun about this – this college and, and pro football season this year, there's no clear cut champion. Eagles, Eagles go out there and get dominated by the 49ers. I mean, it's just any given Sunday, right? Any given Saturday in college football. That's what's going to be so fun about the next couple of months for for both both leagues is uh, anything can happen. And, so and let's I'm, I'm, I'm so. next. Let's say Alabama, which I think they will beat Michigan, and then I think they will win the national championship if they play like they played Saturday. If they play like they did against Auburn, then Michigan will beat them. But Michigan put me to sleep against Iowa. They, I was like, yeah. "Come on, Michigan!" Just, but if Alabama very, very wins it all, do you still feel the same? You still hold your ground that Alabama shouldn't have got in? Yeah, because who's to say that Florida State wouldn't have beat Michigan and then gone on to beat Texas and Washington? I mean, they they had they they were undefeated. I mean, I, yeah, Georgia, I don't Georgia could beat them all. Ohio State could beat them all. Oregon yeah. could beat them all. So, yeah, should Oregon be? Because Oregon- Florida State with their quarterback, I mean, they were so bad the other night. Yeah, their defense was awesome. Was, but I will say it was it was bad. It was it was bad. But their defense stepped up. Louisville is a top twenty offense that they held with what six points. I mean, let's say I, if it's a defensive game, like I said, they went three zero, six to three. Then that's game of football. Kudos I'm, to them for having a great. Game. By the they way, have to have an offensive shootout. I'm with Dave. I, I feel like an undefeated Power Five conference champion. Has to, has to be in. And yeah. Alabama lost. And the fact that they lost to Texas at home and, and it was a 10-point loss and that they struggled against Auburn, I'm I just know. like, they're, you I know. know. September was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, they didn't. Auburn wasn't a long time ago. They looked Auburn like crap no, against no, Auburn. No, but Saturday was most recent, and I think that's probably well, what got the committee can play, going. Okay. So, so that means that the 49ers will win the Super Bowl without question because they just killed the Eagles, who were the best team. No, because I guess they could play two weeks from now, and the Eagles – could put it on the Niners the same way the Niners just That's put it true, on the That's true, but they got like six more weeks of the regular season for those guys. No, but what I'm saying is it's just because Bama right was now. great last week against Georgia doesn't mean that they're the best team in the country. If, no. if, we're, if we're just going to take into account the championship games, why even play the regular season? Let, right. let's, just, let's just jump straight to the championship then. Let's play Alabama and Georgia in every every championship. I mean, just, are, are, there, are there any of these New Year's Six Bowls, um, Dave, that, you, that you're loving? So Florida State has Georgia in the orange. Ohio State and Missouri in the cotton, Penn State and Ole Miss in the peach, and then the Fiesta Bowl is Oregon and Liberty. Any of those jump out at you? You probably won't like my response, but for me, it's tough to like any games because who knows who's going to play in them? Oh, right, right? Yeah, like, exactly. There's a, good, there's a good chance all these kids sit out, and it's not even the same team. A USC's quarterback. The 12, honestly, that's why the 12-team playoff will be great because there's something to play for. Yeah. Because right now, as it is, this 14 playoff and the bowl games, it's a broken, it's it's a broken system. Even Caleb Williams said he's out. Yeah. He's out for the holiday I mean, think, bowl. Think about that. I mean, the the Rose now. Bowl for Pete's sakes. So the last two years, Utah plays in the Rose Bowl. Um, and do you remember two years ago in Ohio State? It's just like, oh, bah humbug. We're not in the college football playoff. I had like 19 starters. We're, we're in the stinky Rose Bowl, and 19 kids sat out. I mean, they still I feel, won. I say, so, 
So for me, it's tough to be excited for bowl games because it's all the backups because all the stars are like, I'm I'm headed in. That's, that's a great yeah. point. I don't. I'm not going to disagree with you, Dave. I think I'm going to watch them all, but I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's, listen, it's, I'm watching every single one. Don't get me wrong. It's still I, between I, the I portal, between the portal, and everybody sitting out, this thing is broken. Can you be the commissioner of the NCAA and fix this thing, Dave? Why not? Next, Why not? Uh, look. He's not doing anything else, so might as well. We're grateful to have you on tonight. Our advice to your son from the wise guys tonight is we want to see uh, we want to see 10 three-point shots attempted. Yes. It's like we're not yeah, quite going hey, Mark Pope on you with 35. We're saying 10. Tell him we want to see yeah, 10. He might, only hit, he might only hit one to 10, but I'll tell him. That's all okay. right. That's hey, all right. Just tell him. Don't hesitate to shoot. Just shoot. Just shoot. Yeah, I like it. All right, brother. Thanks okay. for joining us. Bye, see guys. you. David fun. Dixon. Our colleague of a long, long time on BYU TV with after further review and all the things we do and and uh, played in the NFL, was a star at BYU. Was a, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't just like him because he's Taysom's brother-in-law, but we like the fact that he is Taysom's brother-in-law because we get the inside scoop. Yep, it's And fun. so we and, appreciate that. And Dave, and, and you and I, and Bilo, um, we've watched, watched a lot of games together over the years, and we watch them very differently than... Most people watch them because yeah. we literally sit and break down the game because we know that we've got to come back on Tuesday with after further review and break down specific plays. And so so it's really fun. I've, I've always said we ought to do a live stream from the green room um, while we're watching a game and just listen to all the stuff that's going on. But we might get in trouble. Yeah. We might get in trouble yeah, with that. Some, sometimes it's best to not have a, a live mic in there. <laughs> uh, Doug Wilkes is going to join us in just a couple of minutes. He's the editor of the Deseret News. Uh, we've got our Cougar Board question of the week. You ready? Uh, the, this is, uh, if you're not familiar with Cougar Board, it's the largest online community of BYU fans. Thousands of posts daily. Uh, Wise Guys is on there all the time. There's our pictures. I might put the Jet shirt. That might... They're trying to get Zach to start again this week. Yeah, I just saw so that. So I might I wear my Jet shirt again. If, I'm not sure. If Zach starts again... I'm back on board. But but I still think they're the worst organization in all of professional sports. I some New Yorkers were tweeting what the hang-up was, and I answered, and I said, you know what? I think it's his life insurance company isn't going to cover him they if he goes back out him. there uh, due to that offensive line. All right, here's the question from the Cougar Board Insider, Dilbert. What do you think were the main underlying issues that kept the offense from working very well this year? How fixable do you think those issues are this coming off season? Yeah, the, they're... Believe me, there were multi-factor, um, you know, mul it's multifactorial. So one of them is what we just talked about with Dave Nixon there for a bit. So let's start with that. Um, there seemed to be a lot of confusion uh, throughout the entire season on the offensive line. Um, very few times did we see guys actually line up and block the guy they're supposed to block and get beat. What we saw was... Hesitation. Am I supposed to go down here or am I supposed to combo to this guy? And then they wouldn't get where they were supposed to be quick enough or didn't take the right step and a guy comes through the gap. Or I step over here and a, a completely free player comes through. I saw that more this year than I've seen in any year that I can remember at BYU. It's completely unacceptable. Um, and so, and there's two reasons for that. Um, one of them, they have a new all-line coach that's going to bring more discipline. The other is... They started the season with three transfer offensive linemen that have never played in this program, starting for their first year in this offense. And that seemed to be a thing. And we were like, at the beginning, we were talking about, oh, here, these are three guys that have started and have been really good. And I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm one of the guys that got a little too excited about that. I underestimated how important it is, especially at that position, to grow up guys 
that have at least been in your program for a year or so that understand exactly all the calls and all the combos and have played together as a unit, and it really, really hurt. So, so I think the combination of not holding the guys accountable enough and the lack of experience of playing together hurt BYU. And do I think it's fixable? I absolutely do. Because I think there's enough young linemen in this system. And you can pick up a portal guy, right, or two. I just don't think you can start seven first-year guys on offense, no matter how much they've played elsewhere. And a lot of these guys, Aiden Robbins still looks like he's coming back. L.J. Martin coming back. You've got some of the quarterbacks coming back. You may have you got a whole group of wide receivers coming back. You have some young tight ends, and they may look for a tight end in the portal, but you got some young tight ends that have been growing up in the program that are coming back. So it will be a much more veteran offense. I think the accountability level on the offensive line will be better. And if you get Aiden Robbins back and he's 100% healthy all year long, that's the third factor. Yeah. Broke his ribs, tried to play with it. Hard to play hard when you can't breathe and right. when it really hurts. That seems to be a key. And, and look at Aiden Robbins the last couple of games of the season when he was the, for the first time all season 100% healthy. He was a beast. Oh, yeah, and how about running him downhill? Yeah, and so, suggestion. so all of those things can be fixed. I also think somebody like Jeff Grimes comes in and says, hey, hey, if I'm the run game coordinator, Aaron – this is the run scheme that fits this running back and these offensive linemen best, which we felt all year long, man, they run down a little bit more. And we saw at the end of the year when they did that, Aiden Robbins was at his best. So, so I have a resounding, yes, it can be fixed. All right. I think this offense makes a bounce back this year. I think a, a starting seven new players wasn't a great idea. And I'm going to admit, I thought it was fine. And as the season played out, I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. You can't, you can't have that many new guys. Yeah, we were all wrong on that. Uh, there's uh, the Cougar Board question of the week. Hey, shout out to UNLV, by the way. They're in the bowl game against Kansas. The guaranteed rate bowl, which is ironic because they're coming from Vegas where there's no guaranteed rates, <laughs> even though they say that. Uh, all those years we spent calling UNLV where they're in last place. They're in a bowl game, and they deserve yeah. to be there. And, they won and nine. for those of you that didn't pay attention because there was no reason for you to, Dave and I, Dave for a lot more years than, than uh, me, but Dave was the voice of the Rebels yeah. down there. I became the voice of the Rebels when we went into the dark ages of the mountain in the mountain west yeah, conference yeah and lost all our rights right byu lost all its rights because the mountain took them all and so we kind of disbanded for a little bit we were byu guys during the preseason yep and then when the conference game started we were we were off doing different yeah, things and, and, dave, and dave the rebels they, got back into a they were game. looking for somebody and uh, to do a lot of their preseason stuff down there locally and dave said hey i got a guy i know a guy i know a guy he lives up in utah and uh, <laughs> so dave and i used to be the voices of unlv football and basketball yeah, for a while two byu guys voiced the rebels we were some the rebels. people had a hard time with that but not the people who paid us no and you know what we hey we were big unlv fans we were yeah, we were yeah. big unlv good fans the they Rams. were good to us and they had good kids come through that program bronson kafusi is going to join us next week ross oppo and eric mika uh on december 18th on the wise guys monday nights here forever do you see puka over the weekend oh my four goodness. catches 105 yards touchdown the first rams rookie to exceed a thousand yards uh receiving and uh he's just uh, i'll tell you what i don't know what the biggest story is Taysom's continual dominance or Puka Nakua, or Fred Warner. I mean, wow. you got three guys at, in three different positions, yeah. three different stages of their career. Just phenomenal. But Puka's making a case for the best rookie receiver in the history of the league. Yeah. He's making a case. Fred's the best, making Fred, a case, Fred, best linebacker. Fred is the best linebacker in the national football. I don't think anybody would argue with any of us that Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. And Taysom's the only guy doing all his stuff. 
ever. There's nobody like him. Yeah. So whatever he's doing, he's the best at it. You know, Frank Gifford, if Frank Gifford tried to tackle Taysom Hill, they, they would... You, the health department would get involved to make yeah. sure it wouldn't happen. Well, uh, Don Meredith, who used to work with Frank Gifford, used to sing "Turn Out the Turn Out the Lights." Party's yeah. over. The lights He'd be, be singing out. it. He'd be singing it. Hey, Puka, by the way, is playing the Ravens this week, so Kyle Van Noy is going to be trying to tackle Puka Nakua. And if I'm Puka, I avoid Kyle Van Noy oh, yeah, at don't, all costs. If you're running a crossing route, don't run it on Kyle's side. <laughs> uh, Jaron Hall might uh, get back in action. We'll see as the Vikings play the Raiders. Um, Fred Warner is at home against the Seahawks, and um, uh, and then uh, Van uh, Taysom, Jamal, and and Danny they're taking on the Panthers at home in a big game for the Saints. The Saints just can't figure it out. They just got to get out of their out of their own way. Yep. All right. Yeah. Before we bring Doug in, women's soccer. Let's wrap up a couple things with yeah. soccer. Twenty wins, two losses, four ties. Uh, they lost in the semifinals of the College Cup. Stanford scored two goals in the first four minutes. And then there were no goals the rest of the match. And BYU lost two to nothing. You just can't get behind that early at this stage of the game because the teams are too good. No. North Carolina was really good and they got down three nothing early and came back and won, but no. you can't you can't make a living. And North on Carolina that. plays a different style than Stanford. Stanford's hung their hat on defense all year long. This is one of the top defensive squads in the country. And so an awesome season for uh And for I don't the, like I don't like Stanford's style, by the way. I got in a big long discussion with my daughter in law. Um and I said, there's got to be something. And then I talked to Hillary Kafusi at church on Sunday about it, our former BYU goaltender. I'm like, yeah. what can we do for soccer to change teams that just play defense and then park? they get one goal and they park the bus in front? Or they, they play for ties all season long? And all of them said, we need to eliminate ties in the regular season. That, that'll force teams to play offensively a little bit more. You can't do a shot clock in soccer. But it took me back. I watched that match and it took me back to... Watching North Carolina run four corners offense and stall for 17 minutes yeah, and a half in the won. basketball. And then everybody said, this is so ugly. Let's put a shot clock. Well, that kind of soccer is ugly to me. I'm sorry. So I, I think we sh- I think they should eliminate ties during the regular season. I think they should take a couple of players off the field and Man, allow more for space. more goals. A couple of players more off the field scoring. and no ties. Kind of what hockey's done. And you and I are overhauling yeah. soccer. I know. <laughs> uh, the, the purists are probably mad at us. First team All-American, uh, Brecken Mazingo and Lavini Vaca. Third team All-American, Olivia Wade Katoa. Uh, we send our shout-outs to them. And BYU ranked number one for two yeah, weeks during the season. That never the, happened. And they beat number UCLA. The yeah, it was awesome. It, awesome it was year. a phenomenal season. Nice start to life in the Big yeah, 12. Yeah. How about women's volleyball? Finished 25-7. and seven, Another NCAA tournament um, uh, for the women's volleyball team. They never miss. Another Sweet 16 appearance. Um, and then Arizona State, the five, swept BYU the four in the second round. Yeah, they just pounded them. Yeah. So They were better. They were better that day. Yeah. BYU's now 64-0 and against Weber yeah, State. Yeah, they beat Weber in the first round of the NCAA. How about that? 64-0 against a yeah. team. That's, yep. that does, you don't see that very often in anything. Yeah. Men's Hoops, let's talk about them for a moment. DJ, can you fix my mic for a little bit? The audio seems a little off. Uh, Men's Hoops are 7-0, and up to number 14 in the AP Top 25. That's up five spots from last week. Yeah. Net ranking, the NCA Evaluation Tool. That's what NET stands for, N-E-T. N-C-A, E comes Evaluation, and T is Tool. Yes, so there you go. BYU's number two, Houston's number one, Kansas is number 16. So that's got people scratching their head a little bit. Like, well, what is this? Yeah. What does this even mean? Because remember, Kansas was preseason number one. BYU was preseason number 100 and something. Yeah, it's been amazing. Ken <laughs> Palm, crazy. number six. First 7-0 start since uh, 2010 uh, with Jimmer. I mean, that's, that's where we're yeah. at. And we, we were talking about how they're so different. Um, 
than the last couple of years. So let's use the Fresno State game as an example. They beat Fresno State 85 to 56 at the Delta Center last Friday. Yeah, Fresno State didn't have them. a chance. Smoked like them. they literally beat the living crap out of them. Jackson Robinson, 24 points. Spencer Johnson, 22. Both career highs. Jackson's like, he's blooming into a star. Yeah. He really Off is. Off the bench. Yeah. And Spencer's what he always has been. Spencer's been a star. He's the quietest star you're ever going to find, but he just quietly gets it done. And Jackson Robinson is is blossoming. And Coach Pope told us before the season, Jackson Robinson has his chance to be a star. He just needs to play a little more consistently. Well, we've seen that out of him. Um, and they out-rebounded Fresno 34-27. And what I like is they're taking care of the ball. They're playing this up-tempo. They're shooting threes. They're playing scrappy defense. They only turned the ball over seven times against Fresno State. Great. Great performance. Yeah. Fusini Traore's day-to-day with a knee and a hamstring. Honestly, we don't think we're going to see him until the Big 12 comes yep, back. Yeah, I think that's probably... He's got yeah. he's got four weeks, four and a half weeks to, to get healthy. Get him healthy. They need that depth for the... And they've been managing... Ali Khalifa's been a revelation. And Ali Atiki, Ali Atiki, this this is a great month for them yes. to get minutes. Um, there's a couple of big tests, like tomorrow night, which you and I will be on the call with Spencer. Evansville at 7-1, BYU 7-0, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN+. Plus. The Purple Aces, they were picked 11th in the Missouri yeah, they're, Valley. They're just like BYU. Out but they're playing good. Yeah. They beat Northern Iowa on Saturday. Watch the end of that one uh, in overtime, 91-89. to uh, Northern Iowa was picked second in the yep. Missouri Valley. Yeah. So um, that's a big test. And then Saturday might be their biggest between now and Cincinnati. Yeah, and when you say biggest, not only and one of the biggest teams they're going to play. Yeah. Um, Carlson's a beast that, that that plays for the University of Utah. The Utes are five and two right now. Um, that game will be five p.m. on the Pac-12 network. If if you get that, you can find that um, or, or BYU Radio. Probably and, easier and time. BYU's finding been that. dominant in this series. They've won twelve of the last sixteen. Um, this is the first and only true road game on the non-conference schedule for BYU this season. Yeah, which I'll is tell you, and I'm fine, genius scheduling. Yeah, I'm fine with that um, when you're in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Like in the past, it's like we got to go get some high RPI, hard, high net games. We call them net in college basketball. Got to get some high net games. You don't need anything in the preseason. And look where BYU is in the net right and now. And we should point out San Diego State, who BYU beat uh, on November 10th when they were 17th. They're now back in the top 25 right. at 25. They're 7-1. and one, So they, that, that is never going to be anything short of a great win all season long. Did, with, with and the you Aztecs and I were talking about it. We called that game. And we said, we looked at that San Diego State team and we said, folks, this was a really good win for BYU because this is a good basketball team. San Diego State has length, athleticism, they can defend. They're going to win a ton of games this year, probably be ranked. Um, that's a huge win for BYU. Women's hoops are now 6-2. and two. They've dropped two in a row. Uh, 12th ranked Utah beat them. Up in Salt Lake over the weekend, Lauren Gustin had a cool 17-17. and 17. Yeah, 17-17. I think 17. I got that right. That's, yeah, that's normal for a 17 Utah State is at BYU tomorrow, Tuesday, 3 o'clock Mountain. Spencer, Linton, and Kristen Kozlowski on the call. And then Boise State's at BYU Saturday afternoon at 2 Mountain, also on ESPN+. So does Spencer have to do double duty tomorrow? Does he, like, do call the game and then come and do sideline for us? For I the think he calls the game, goes and gets a massage, and then, and comes, then comes back. Okay, and that's that. fair. I think that's what I feel he's like got. that's okay. That's what he's so. doing. Track and field, a yeah. shout-out. Yeah, congratulations to the women's cross-country coach, uh, Diljeet Taylor, Big 12 co-coach of the year. Um, and honors just keep coming in for, for Diljeet. She's been phenomenal. I'm telling you, track and field, soccer, women's volleyball, they were Big 12-ready. Yeah. A long time and, ago. And, and we knew that. Yeah. We knew that. Because they were competing on a national level. We didn't and, think basketball was. 
And, and we'll find out if they are in January, but today just, they look like they are. Just let me tell you, I recognize they're number two in the net and that they're number six in the, in the, in the Ken Palm rankings. If they finish in the middle of that league, like say, say they finished, well, let's say they finished sixth or seventh, you're still a single digit seed in the NCAA tournament. I would be thrilled for this BYU basketball team to finish seventh in that league. Yeah. Yeah. Even as good as they've been. Now, I may be underestimating them. Maybe they're better than I thought. But I would be thrilled for them to, to finish six or seventh in that league. Hey, since we were last on the air, the 2034 Winter Olympics, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, was named the preferred host for those winter games, which means they're going to get it, uh, barring some wild, unexpected technicality. Uh, BYU grad, uh, the man behind it all, Fraser Bullock, and we send him a shout-out. He's yeah. Mr. Olympics and has been. He doesn't age. He still wears the same leather jacket he wore in 2002. He looks the same. And uh, anyway, we give a shout-out to Fraser. We're going to get him on this show. And, yeah. and what a big get for Utah. Ten years from now, but you know what? We'll all still be here, and Wise Guys will be in its, yeah, we'll, in its we'll 12th season. It. Our guest... <laughs> Uh, here with us is a BYU grad who's been in the journalism business for over four decades, has been the editor of the Deseret News since 2016. We welcome our friend Doug Wilkes to the Wise Guys. We've been hanging out in our green room listening to David Nixon, who you have a personal relationship with from years ago. And Yeah, Dave and I, Dave was in Salt Lake City. I'm still in Salt Lake City. Yeah. But why are you bringing me on? You guys are riffing. You got you drop more names here. This is like just the, this was a warm-up band just for the going. main event. Yes, we're thrilled yeah, that you're the here. Cougars are, and, and really, that what they're doing in the NFL, I mean, not that I'm here to talk about that, but to have stars in the NFL yeah. at different positions right on that's, so many that's teams what's amazing you might have had a lineman before or somebody else but now you've got we didn't even mention andy reed yeah and yeah. andy reed is the he's the best coach in the league right now number three all time yeah, and, and wins and and uh you know we didn't we didn't mention and they're not playing as well this year but tyler algier was a rookie running back that rushed for a thousand yards last year yeah, that's amazing and and, uh, and jamal williams led right? the league in scoring last year yeah. and touchdown scored last year. like it's just like it seems like byu's guys um, that are in the league are all performing at a really, really high level. That's nice for BYU. I think it's great. It's great for the national profile. Great for the Deseret News. We love being people sure. are seeking out this content. Puka Nakua, we know we have to have Puka Nakua news every weekend because people want to see what did he do. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah and really he's a, a great time. soundbite and a fun kid. Uh, win, lose, or draw. And we, we got to know him, obviously, covering him at BYU. And, and same thing with all the others. Kyle Van Noy's back, having a phenomenal. Yeah. Joins the team late in the year, and, and he acts like he's been there the whole time with the Ravens, who've had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. He, told, he came on the show and told us his whole plan. <laughs> and then he did it. Like, he's like, I do not want to. Lay low all I'm summer. Too, I'm too old for camp. I'm going to lay low. I've told my agent, you know, I do not want to do camp. I'll just lay low, and then something will come up after the season started, and I'll join a good team. And Well, they're smart. They, you know, they can play defense. They can see, and then they go to the right place at the right time yeah, and make the he's, play. He's like, yeah, he is so good. All right, let's talk some football and get serious here. And we're going to start by going back to 1977. Yes. That's the year. During that year, Elvis died. Gas was 65 cents a gallon. Oh, Star man. Wars debuted at the movies. And a young Doug Wilkes was a member of BYU's junior varsity football team. And you have said this was such a crucial year for BYU football and, and what it meant to everything since. How come? Well, look at what happened. So uh, 1974, uh, Title IX begins to come up. Scholarships get limited. It yeah. used to be, like when I was in high school, you knew that schools like Nebraska, Ohio State, USC, they were getting kids on scholarship and then putting them in a closet so that the competition didn't get them. 
So now the scholarship rules start to change. By 1997, you have in camp, you have Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, uh, Gifford Nielsen. Yeah. Gifford Nielsen already had a national profile. You have Todd Christensen at running back. He later becomes great as a tight end for the Raiders. Uh, you have Bill Ring, yeah. um, who became a with great the Niners, running back yeah. with the Niners. Bill Ring's locker was right next to a guy named Gary Peterson. I don't know if you remember him. 6'4", 270 pounds. And 270 now is light. But back in those days, he had 30 pounds on everybody else. So you're on the cusp of something really, really amazing. And they're blowing out, you know, they're winning 72 to 6, right? So yeah. everyone's looking at what are they doing at BYU? So that was quite of a, a remarkable time to be in camp. What was it like hanging out? Uh, wearing a uniform and being part of the program with these megastars. Yeah, so let me be clear. <laughs> the people you have on this show are football players. I never played a varsity down. Yeah, but right? you played junior varsity, I which is more than varsity. me. Yes. And I'm they, on this show every week. They had, I mean, junior varsity, you'd get together on a Thursday after practice. Lavelle would bring get ready you to go play Air Force, right? Well, yeah, you get on the, you just get there, and they say, okay. I mean, you're not scheming anything. You're saying, all right, who's playing uh, Who's playing this week? Okay, Doug, go, you're going to do punts. And then they have Bill Shefflin was a freshman that year. Bill Shefflin's claim to fame, of course, blocking the punt in the Holiday Bowl. Yeah. Um, you had Mark and Steve Brady, who were from Tennessee. I don't know if anybody Oh, knows I remember the Brady guys. twins really Brady well. Twins. Um, so you had a lot of guys coming in there. There was a quarterback in that year, too, Mark Heinrich from Saratoga High yeah, School. that's right. But, I mean, he's in there with you know, three NFL guys. So he, he moves on. There's no transfer portal. You either play or you don't. Right. But for a guy, hey, uh, the ladies don't know the difference Steve, between Steve, who's on Steve the Steve JV. Steve told us a JV football story because Andy Reid was coaching the JV team when Steve was a, was a freshman. And Andy said, hey, we're going to go play these guys. But we got Steve. Let's run the option. So they went and ran the option with Steve. But you literally did that. It was, it was playground, playground football. And we'd, we'd beat, you know, you beat Air Force. You beat Dixie, uh, Rick's, Rick's College. We right. beat... Um, and you're just you're just playing. Was snow back? Did you go play snow back we in played those days? Snow down in so Ephraim. snow. Air Force had JV program, Rick's College, all of those. All yeah. those guys. And so you had six games, and um, you're only a few years removed from freshmen being able to play, right? Jim McMahon came in and he punted as a freshman, but mm -hmm. it's only like a year or two since they had that kind of eligibility. But um, you know, it was just an awesome time to be there, uh, working with Lavelle, seeing. I mean, Glenn Tuckett, Doug Scoville, those are the guys who got me out of California, and yeah. they become legends. Mm -hmm. Dick Felt was the DB coach. I was a defensive back. Oh, I love um, Dick Felt. Did you? Yeah. One yeah. of my favorites. He was great, unless you weren't great. Oh. And then, and so then, what you're saying so is... your love for Dick is probably a little <laughs> different <laughs> from yours. Well, I, I went over and ran the prep offense a lot um, my freshman year for the first defense, and, and I, the defensive coach, Fred Whittingham, recruited me. Mm -hmm. And so Fred was always good to me. When the D lineman would hit me, he would like get all over him. And Dick Felt would be like, "Hey, you're giving us a good look." So they were really, really good to me. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that's when I was a freshman too. We're running defense for the first team offense. So again, Gifford Nielsen, Mark Rose, oh, yeah. Todd Christensen. There was a great, great receiver named Mike Chronister. Yeah, yeah. we know he, Mike well. Yeah. I think he's. I still think he's one of BYU's best ever. He was, he was ahead of his time too because he's a big physical guy. He'd be a big physical guy now. I remember playing size. defensive back, covering him. And he'd be like a foot over my head. Yeah. He'd be like, where, where does this come from? He made one of the greatest catches uh, that I've seen against, I think it was Kansas State that, uh, in 1977. Didn't have YouTube. We go check all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can no. see if I'm lying or not. No, no. That's like, no, those, never those, are great. those are great players. So, so on, you're on a bus, and one of your JV moments, you're on a bus, you're listening to Paul James. You're listening to Paul James call the BYU-Oregon State game. 
Yeah. And I was in another part of the land listening to the same broadcast. So we were linked long before we, uh, we've ever got to know each other. But that's the game that Gifford breaks his leg. Yeah, so we're on, we had gone up to Rick's College. It's the coldest day of my life, literally. I went on a mission to Sweden. Never as cold as it was up at... I, I can confer. Oh, I had a year at Rick's. I confer that's a different Freezing. place. Yeah. The wind always blows so, there, right? Oh, yeah. It always blows there. I caught punts that day, so it's like, you know, swirling and freezing. <laughs> I'm a California kid. It's right. just amazing. But anyway, we're coming back on the bus. Um, we're listening to the game, listening to the broadcast. We had heard that Gifford was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated the following week. And then we hear, oh, he's down, he's out, and they take him out. The bus is silent. I mean, literally silent because he's hurt. Yeah. And then we get all the way back home. We hear, of course, he's, he's done. I mean, it was crushing, heartbreaking. And I, in practice that week, Mark Wilson did a great job. And then he goes out and throws six touchdown passes the next weekend. Yeah, right. But still, you're just heartbroken for this, this guy who is lifting BYU. Then See, Mark lifts it. And you're in, the middle, lifts it. you're in the middle of all this. I mean, that's, that's, that just makes, that makes you unique. Well, the thing that was so great, I mean... You know, this is about how the locker room looked here. On yeah, so we, we tried to make He's it vintage 1977. Yeah, I mean, you're just going in there. The weight room was old weights, uh, Nautilus machines. Someone said, yeah, we might get a Nautilus machine. Your, your weight room was, was in the old Smith Field. The house, right? Yeah. And At the end of the basketball court, in, like through just, a couple of doors. Yeah, yeah, just, just weights trying to do that. I mean, we didn't have separate film rooms for everyone. It was just, it's just like you're just playing ball. So it was great, but now I look at these facilities and I'm going, holy smokes. Well, and the, and the facilities yeah. are phenomenal. The players are bigger and stronger. You, mix, you mentioned the, um, like a guy like uh, Peterson that was 270, and now you got Kingsley Su- uh, Suamataia that's 6'6 and 315 and runs like a linebacker. Well, that's the point, right? Yeah. I mean, they're phenomenal athletes. I do feel like I was playing in the dark ages, but when we were playing, we thought we were just this amazing players. But, you know, now it's just amazing. We, we, we want, and you, you know, you get exposure to a lot of things as you oversee everything that Deseret News is covering. This portal thing that's going on right now, we talked to Dave Nixon a little bit about it. It's it's changing the game. What What's your thought about the transfer portal, NIL, NIL money? Where are we going with this? Well, Deseret News, we're fighting. It's costing us a lot of money, but we're fighting to get NIL records. Right? People are saying these are education records. And no, that's nonsense. Why do, you, why do you want the records? We want the records because we want transparency so it doesn't, it's not abused. Right. You know, you have, you know, millions of dollars coming into players. Or at least promised to players. What's it going to do for women's sports? Women's sports, they've worked so hard. Now the disparity between men and women is going to be phenomenal. But it won't be if you can get transparency on that. If you can shine a light on that, you'll have some stars that are doing really well. But you need to have some... um, uh, some accountability in that space. Yeah, right now, it's all kind of done in back rooms, and nobody really. And you hear rumors, and and so so. How did you go about? Um, you know, we we've read a little bit about it. Um, you, University of Utah, for instance, Utah State. These are state institutions. Is that is that your wedge to get in and be able to get this information? Yeah, I mean, there are laws, uh, grandma, um, different laws that are in place to uh, to shine a light on public records, public money. Uh, it doesn't apply to Brigham Young University. I think BYU should release that as well. Just put it yeah, out they're, there. They're going to look really good because they're not giving anybody, you know, they're not like, they're not giving everybody a truck. Well, people are, <laughs> that's right. Um, but 
it, it is having a tremendous impact. And now you look at the University of Utah, their second and third string quarterbacks are gone. So now you have Cam Rising, seven-year quarterback. Yeah. Okay. BYU used to get hit on the head for kids go on missions and come back. It's, yeah. it's just seven years, come back, make some money. Then they'll throw the keys to the car to uh, Zach Wilson's little brother, right? Yeah. But it, everyone's calculating. Everyone's trying to see, can I get a better deal or can I go somewhere else? Back, I see, when, when I was there, I remember um, talking to Bill Shefflin, and uh, I'd come back off a mission, and I see Bill in the library. So now he's a, a, a junior, and he's doing pretty well. And I said, how's it going? You know, you, you enjoying it? And he says, coaches come up to me and say, well, we're bringing in a JC transfer. I don't know if you're going to play next year. So every step of the way, you're never quite yeah. the guy. There's always and that, someone. that's how you keep your edge, right? They're, they're supposed to recruit over the top of you. That's what we were all used to. So, but yeah, but now could you do that if they're going to pay well, someone now, to come now, take now your job? Now if you bring somebody in and you pay them, they're expecting you to take the job. So now they transfer. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I mean, Stanford's in the dumper because they don't know how to do it with their standards. Right. I, I just don't know how you can move forward. It seems to me that uh, the transparency that, that the paper is getting uh, also protects the player who has promised a certain amount and gets there and doesn't get it. And then there's at least a public record of, hey, this place promised you $200,000 and you haven't gotten a penny. And this gives you some recourse to say, hey, this, this wasn't done on a handshake. And I came here because you promised me to pay me and now you're not paying me. Right now, there's no recourse. Well, look at the, look at the, the truck deal. Right. So those are truck leases. So media, we come along, others come along and say, everyone at the university, 65 cars given or 85. What was it? I don't even remember. Yeah, something like that. But it was like, nobody brought one to my house. Every scholarship player gets a truck. All right. It's pretty brilliant. They're not giving them the truck. It's a lease. How much is the lease for a year? A few thousand dollars. And then it's done. But without the transparency, you can't look at the deal. You can't see what exactly is happening. And, and what is happening in the women's game? I think Title IX, 1974, now you're here 50 years later. You better be looking. You better be really, really careful about what's going to happen to all the other programs except for football and basketball for men. Right. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, especially outside of the P5s where uh, there isn't as much money being thrown around from Fox and ESPN and CBS. Well, P5, P5 I get so angry about because it it's just baloney. I remember when P5s first started. That wasn't part of the language. P5 is only people with more money. And then it became that for 20 years, and, and BYU gets left behind. BYU's been a phenomenal program every step of the way. Absolutely deserves the national championship. But just like Florida State, people will continue to disparage them yeah. if you're not in the money pool. Well, and, and then, you know, we had the P5 language and then the Bowl Alliance and now the CFP, where it's like the haves, the insiders with the money, have been doing everything they can to keep the outsiders from being able to participate at their level. Um, are you concerned that with NIL and all of this, that the gap gets bigger now? Something's going to blow up. I mean, you can't have a thousand people in a portal and you do and have the bowl system do what it does. Next year, it'll be 12 teams in a playoff and people will take a pause. And then the year after that, something will happen. But every step of the way, this is going to be minor league team and the NFL is going to have to get involved. I think within five years, you see the NFL doing something to establish a protocol, to establish rules. And uh, college football is already different than we thought it was. It'll be something brand new, in my opinion. The NFL and the NBA are way more regulated than, because there's a draft. There's salary caps. There's fines that are paid. If you like, 
there's a, there's enforcement mechanisms. It's I never thought I'd see the day where I where I would say, yeah, professional sports is way more monitored, way way uh, more equitable than college sports. Well, do you wish you were playing now? Or are you glad you played when you did? I know it's kind of a bizarre question, but um, well, Robert and I talking, and I talk, Robert and I and I. It's hard to say Robert and I and I. Yeah. Right? So it sounds like I'm saying Robert and I and I. Um, he and I talk about it, it all the time. It sounds like he's a like, town on he's the like Blaine. North Shore. He always says to me, Blaine, you're, you were 30 years ahead of your time. Um, the big hang-up on you always was, hey, you're only six feet. Uh, and, to, you know, we want six four, six five quarterbacks. And now there's six-foot quarterbacks all over the place. And they move the quarterback around. And there's RPOs. So I fit way better into today's offenses than I fit into the seven-step drop, stand in the pocket, deliver it downfield offense. So my skill set um, would be way better for today's game. Um, but I don't know that I would like all the nonsense that's going. I like the, I love the way the game was and why we played back when I played. You played for the, for the logo on your chest, you and know, you and you played never, for your university. You would never think about sitting out a bowl game. Can I no. tell you, so, so um, they decided Robbie was going to be our starter and Frank Cush from Arizona State immediately contacts me. Come down here. You can start for us down at Arizona State, which is a violation, right? It absolutely is a violation. So um, wouldn't be Frank's first, but, but no, <laughs> yeah. Does that surprise anybody? But that went on, and and I thought about it for a minute, and I just thought, no, I committed to these guys. I don't know if Robbie's going to get hurt, or if you know, I got to stay here. These are my guys. You know, like nobody thinks like that anymore. And I stayed, and you know what? Um, we end up getting a national championship. I play in that game. I play a lot those two seasons. Yeah, you have that, that it, key national championship moment where it all could have fallen apart. And, and I, don't, um, I don't regret one minute um, staying because everything um, that I've done since that point um, was set up by that time that I stayed with that group of people and the network of the people that we were around then and BYU's network. And, and I, players have a hard time seeing that. And, and I don't know that that's like it used to be. Well, you know? BYU special. I mean, I talk about 1977 to 1980 to 84. I mean, the innovative offense, the coaching tree with, you know, Mike Holmgren, Andy Reid, yeah. that just continues for 50 years. I mean, yeah. over and over and over again. Um, the special players coming through. I think the standards are essential. You have to have high standards. It's just a special, special place to be. And I don't say that as, you know, having gone to BYU. It's just, it's just a special place to be. We say that on the show all the time because yeah. we're, we're the wise guys. Well, well, and, right it's fun, and it's funny. We, ha we, we have lots of friends that we work with. Uh, you know, Brian Logan's a perfect example who subs in for us once in a while here and works on shows with us. And he, he calls himself, a, what does he call himself? A, I'm a double minority. Yeah. He says, I'm a double minority. We're like, I, what, what does that mean? And he says, oh, well, I'm African-American um, and I'm not LDS. So I'm not, I'm not a member of the predominant faith. So I'm a double minority. And he goes, and I wouldn't change coming to BYU. He goes, I had such an unbelievable experience because of the culture and what I learned and the networks I have. So you don't, you know, you don't have to come and be a member of the predominant faith to have a great experience there. And, well, and people and, are learning that. And you guys are part of that. I mean, but this show is really great. I was, I thought the Mark Wilson interview was oh. fascinating because I didn't know that. I didn't. I went on a mission. I didn't know he almost left. I didn't yeah. know the offense blew up. Then coming back, you kind of see, oh my gosh, that was fantastic. And you've had a lot great interviews. So, yeah, keep it up. You got a lot of fans. You're in our. You're on our list. You're in um, the yes, group. You're, on you're there. in the group. Doug Wilkes yeah. is the editor. How many have of the Desert News? How many have turned off since uh, I've been here? Since you've been no, here, all by here. the way, uh, <laughs> Forrest Gump, twelve Abel just joined us from Beaumont, Texas. 
And uh, Coog Dude is in from Durham, North Carolina. We got live streamers all over the world. My brother awesome. Rusty's watching in New York. So in I New York, nice. hey, Rusty. is he in the hey, city? Rusty. Is he? Or he upstate? He's upstate New York. He's in a uh, Jimmer Fredette country, and he so he's he, got a lot of Fredette. He's up Albany, Albany area. Uh, yeah, Clifton so. Park. Uh, oh yeah, up there. yeah, yeah. So that's I'm from New York. So oh, are you? Yeah, I grew yeah. up in upstate New York. So we've yeah. got some uh, we got some more football for you here in a sec. Uh, but let's let's take a. Uh, a, a left turn for a moment. The Deseret News is going to turn 174 wow. this next year. Um, how hard has it been to keep the paper relevant the way we've changed our reading habits over the years? Very hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's older than the New York Times. You, you mentioned it on your lead and you know, how old it is. You just have to continue to uh, push forward. Now, here's the thing. Salt Lake City, the Deseret News, a metro paper, we're a national paper, a national brand, yeah. international. So our aspiration over the past five years, 10 years, has to be something different. You have to be relevant. What can we bring that others don't bring? So we focus on truth. Truth is hard to come by these days. Mm. So we look at that. Um, we're willing to take criticism, but we're willing to do something a little different. Um, we still love covering the Wasatch Front. We absolutely do that. Uh, it's important because Utah, we think, has a special place, Right. It's, it's getting the Olympics again. And talking to Governor Cox today, yeah. I asked him specifically, I said, look, do you want to be one of those three host cities that are permanently in the rotation? He said, yes. So right now you could do three host cities and then they'll have a guest city, um, you know, for the next 50 years. We're Which is a, to a smart that. idea considering yeah, the expense. Brilliant. Well, I, how many, no one has the facility. We could put on the Olympics in six months. You know, someone stands up and says, we need 40,000 volunteers, whether it's the governor, a church official, whomever, yeah. and you're going to get them. And you have the facilities. And you have the facilities and you have the excitement and you've got the media, right? I mean, BYU's got a truck. You want our truck? I mean, you just, got a truck. you just yeah. do what you need to do. <laughs> and, and there's, I mean, think about this. By the time the Olympics comes, which is 34, right? Probably. You, you could have... Um, Major League Baseball could be here at that point. We already have NBA. NHL could be here. at that. Like In the next 10 years sports in this market are going to expand even more. Um, what, what's your thought on that? And is that a good thing for this market to have all these major league sports teams and to have the Olympics? Is, is it good for Salt Lake City? I think it's good. Um, you want to keep the identity of Salt Lake City and Utah, right? There's something that makes this area special. You don't want to lose that. Uh, you know, we talked to, um, we talked to officials in California and in Portland and in Seattle uh, and, you know, without giving anything away, they look to Portland and they, there's trouble up there, right? Yeah. There's infrastructure trouble. There's homeless trouble. Seattle, same thing, having some trouble. And it's not liberal versus conservative. It's simply, can you make the right decision at the right time and prepare this state so we can keep going? Uh, that includes Silicon Slopes and technology. It includes um, housing. Housing is one of the key issues going forward. Growth is coming. So it's not going to stop growing. Can you manage it in a good way? Can you provide education? Can BYU and the University of Utah have innovation centers that really work together? And people are talking. I mean, the rivalry is one thing, but the college presidents like each other. Yeah, they get along hard. a lot better than, yeah. than well, people have yeah. any than the, idea. Than the fans do. Yeah, yeah, and as a fan base, I mean, I get snarky every now and again, but... I live in Salt Lake. Most of my friends are on the Utah side. Yeah, you have to but, defend yourself. But it's a fantastic university. I mean, and, and they're great people up there. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I still bleed blue, but, you know, there's a red cut in there every now and again, too. Listen, uh, th this, 
the history of the paper, the printing press comes across the plains with the pioneers, arrives in the Salt Lake Valley in 1849, started printing the Deseret News the following year. Why has the paper been so important to its owner, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Why is it so important to have a paper? The church has always tried to get news and information you know, to the masses. Back before the pioneers came across, they had times and seasons. Yeah. They always had some way of saying, how do we get information out? And there has always been misinformation. So you need a vehicle to do that. And in 1850, it was, hey, we, we propose to do a, a small weekly that we'll have. And then it talks about the different things it'll have. It ultimately becomes a daily paper, uh, afternoon paper, morning paper, you know. And now you go from, you know, a hundred and something thousand circulation to millions and millions and millions every month. And it's like, well, yeah, why would you, why would you print a paper when you're reaching people who met wherever they are here, they can come in and look at the Deseret News yeah. in four minutes. Just put it in there and get everything that Dave McCann is writing. So go to the Deseret News yeah. and search If Brigham Dave Young McCann. could have got away with not getting newsprint on his fingers yeah, and hit a button didn't. and have it all appear on his screen, yeah. I think he'd vote for that. It is remarkable, though, and, it's, and it's, it's work worth doing, right? That's the point. It's, it's hard work, but it's work worth doing, and we really are trying hard to... Uh, provide something valuable for those who will come to us. You, you mentioned a minute ago, truth is important to you. And, and that's a commodity that's uh, getting, getting less and less out in, in the marketplace, especially with social media out there where there's no accountability to tell the truth whatsoever. Um, so what, what's the biggest challenge facing um, Desert News moving forward with all of that in mind? Well, the financial model is tough, right? You have to earn your keep. You have to be valuable. Um, uh, and also um, being consistent, I think, is, is our number one thing. Influence is our currency. Being consistent gives us the ability to do that. Um, independence is important. Like, you know, when the New York Times or the Washington Post is looking at what we're doing or they contact us and, and we know them, we work as journalists together. But we also have Deseret Magazine, you know, yeah. thought leadership, um, faith and thought. Uh, we feel a need to protect the First Amendment, but that's that's freedom of religion. That's freedom in the public square, the right to gather. All those things are being attacked and addressed, right? What's going on on college campuses? Um, can you have free speech on college campuses? It's kind of amazing what's, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So we feel like we want a place in there so that we can put forth news and information and commentary that really helps you understand the world around you. Former BYU football player and editor <laughs> of the Deseret News, Doug Wilkes, on the Wise Guys. My brother was on the JV basketball team, so he, he reminds me of it. So they played, and I'm just like, oh, I'm good with that. I got to tell you, here's my Dave McCann. It's the first time I met Dave McCann. I'm working <laughs> as BYU, 1983 or something, and uh, in the journalism program. And here comes this, and I'm in at the Daily Universe or the Daily uh, the Daily, Daily Herald. Herald. Yeah. And Dave, some scrub kid so from I was 13, Orem. I think. Yeah, you were, working, you were working old. at the Daily Herald at 13, yeah, right? So, something like that. And 13. two things. One, Dave walks really fast, and he always has. He walks really fast into the newsroom. I go, who's that kid? And he says, he's, he's collecting string. He's getting it. And it's yep, great because right. you need prep writers. And the only thing different between uh, Dave then and now is hair's back a little bit. Hair's <laughs> back uh, a lot. But the youthful face <laughs> is exactly the same. But who knew I'd be on a... Hey, listen. The world-renowned Wise Guys podcast with Dave McCann. And I got $9.50 a right. story back then. And uh, you get a little bit, I get a little bit more now. Yeah. yeah, well, I was making 220 a week. So that was my first, those were, that was my first job. That's amazing. And I was glad to have it. Those were, great, uh, those were great times. I was still a paper boy for the Herald when I was writing 
And so I would deliver papers with my own articles. Did I get any more tips from my people? No, I did you were, not. You were, yeah, we all, didn't we all, you deliver papers? I deliver papers. I, I think we a, all deliver papers. A, I didn't have young. a paper out, but I, our neighbor had one and I delivered them a few times and I said, why would anyone do this? Yes, yeah. So we could get our own McDonald's money is yeah, what it was. Uh, yeah, but, but I started in 83 when the floods happened. That's how I got oh. involved and my grades tanked, but. You know, I got clips, and back then you needed clips. So People laugh at me when I say, well, if you guys could come back to 83 and see that they've built houses up here where there used to be a lake. <laughs> I, I always get worried about that. Is it ever going to get back to that? I don't know. Well, we want to talk, since you were a former player, and you, a former football player, we're going to talk a little bit about football for just a minute. How do you feel about the first Big 12 season for BYU? And um, you know, it doesn't have to be specific to football, about all these sports in the fall, but, but let, let's talk some about what you thought about football. Okay, I talked about truth, so I'll tell you what I thought. Yeah. Um, I, it drives me crazy when they go into the, and I like Kalani, I think he's honest and strong, but he says, yeah, we have to look at the film, there are plenty of things we can tweak and change, and we need to work and improve, but you're on game eight, game nine. You, I mean, do that at game two, game three, or you have a three or four game skid, and it happened last year too, right? You've got to get in there and fix it. And, you know, you're an analyst. You're looking at this. Um, same with Hans Olsen. There's looking at it's It's schematic. There, it's, if there are holes that are wide open, you're, you're not in the right gap. You're so sometimes I right wonder, we don't, we don't, and we do get to watch film, talk to them once in a while, but you, want, you know one thing I've never heard a coach say because they'll never do it, but just once I want a coach to say it. You know what? Nick Saban might say it sometime, but. You know what? We've taught them the right thing every week for seven weeks, and we just have some really stupid players. <laughs> like we've gone through it like nine times a day with these three guys. But um, and then then the question is, well, you do not have enough depth to bench those guys, the guys that aren't doing. It. But but there's some of that every year too, because um, I know that coaches and Klein doesn't have a lot of hair to pull out anymore. But but where you just go, my goodness, how many times are we going to go through this this gap? Yeah, you know, that's and, and then, and, but then you have to step back and say, do we need to have a different teaching? I love that Dave Nixon, you were listening when Dave, yeah. where Dave said, um, if you got a guy that's really, really capable, but his problem is that um, every once in a while he's just lost, are you using the right learning method with that guy? And maybe you need to teach him completely differently. And it, isn't it on the coach to adapt the learning model for every single individual that he or she coaches to make sure that they, they get it? Um, and so that's something they need to look at in the offseason. So, so as I look at the season, I mean, it, it was a little bit of bad luck where they were. You have two NFL quarterbacks go out, and now you bring in a transfer who has to see, and, and Keaton did what he did. And, um, you know, there were some good things seen. BYU has always been uh, playing above average, playing like a P5 team, winning five Pac-12 games in mm -hmm. a row. So you feel a little bit heartbroken that you took a step back because it's not that you played well the last two games, which they did, but they got blown out in the three previous. If you didn't get blown out, you know, if fumble here, bad luck yeah. here. Would feel better. You'd feel yeah. better. Yeah. You'd, you'd feel better about how competitive it was. And I did feel good about that last game. I mean, you lose in double overtime, it's heartbreaking, but that was a good game. Yeah. So I think, I, yeah, I think the future's bright. I go along with, with you. It's that definition of insanity. You know, doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Um, and, and sometimes it feels that way as you're watching it going, you know what, we're going to run that zone read until, we're <laughs> until the end of time. Uh, and, and, and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But I, I think fans want to see, like you said, they, they want to see, hey, wait a second. 
this doesn't work, let's do something else, which doesn't mean, hey, revamp the whole offense. It just means show us, show us that you spent five days at practice and you came up with something else. And, and sometimes you know, the best coaches, and there's, there's a true skill to this, that they can come in in the fall and they can look at a group of guys, whether it's on offense or defense, and go, you know what? The strength of this group of guys is this. So we're going to have to tailor what we do to that. Um, I know we really, I really like to run this, but these guys really don't fit that. They're better fit for this. The, the, the best coaches in the country are the ones that can just tailor it a little bit one way or another. You have your core of what you're going to do based on the skill set of the guys that you have. Um, and, and the ones that do that have success year after year after year because you don't always get exactly what you want yeah. when you're out recruiting. Well, and you've got... In the NFL, you draft what you want. you got to get three so, yards on first down, right? I mean, yeah. that's what was so infuriating about the, the Oklahoma State game. Second you, half. Second half. Second yeah. half. And, all right, you went three and out on that first drive, but now over and over again, okay, pass, play, incomplete. I think I heard you, you both six times. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Six straight first so downs. Second, of, it's just six like, straight second tens. And, <laughs> and I get that they're trying to have faith in their guys, and but, um, yeah, that part's really hard yeah but they're in it and that next year's uh, byu utah game is going to be pretty fun it's going to be awesome eric wade our friend from singapore says daily herald paper boys unite it. <laughs> it was cheap labor but teaches you that the news never sleeps that's awesome that's true i think back in the day of the daily herald the news did sleep uh because it was uh we didn't have 24-hour cable news yep keeping the thing going on and on and on has that been good is that is it is the the news and information is good. Is the 24-hour news cycle now, um, it was such a game changer on television, and then, and then we stopped reading papers. Well, it's good, it's good when you need it to be good. It's good when there's a national crisis. Yeah. It's good when there's a war you need to pay attention to. It's good when you need to hear the president speak. It's not good when all you have is a show and you have a producer for every hour show or three-hour show, and they're all doing the same thing. And if they're stuck, they're putting a panel of journalists on. So you see the same three journalists talking about the Ukraine-Russia war. And then they'll be on there talking about the deficit. And you know they don't know anything about one of those. <laughs> so that part drives me crazy. I mean, talk to people. It'd be like me talking about, here's what the national championship game was when I'm sitting next to a guy who was in there. Yeah, It's like, why would you do that? So that part of it is not great. And then it, I, thought, uh, I thought that the news industry changed during COVID uh, and President Trump's run when it just became cheap to get a room full of people together and have a moderator and a fight mm. every hour uh all day long and if you watched one channel you felt this way and if you watched another channel you felt that way and then when you met up with somebody at costco you got into a fist fight well it's i mean media still trying to deal with it it's you know uh, they call it both sidism well is it objective to have both sidism and there's a debate in media well no you got to you got to find out what the truth is, or you need to save democracy. And if you think that Trump or Biden or whomever is hurting democracy, then some, usually the younger journalists, are going all in to try and defeat that person, which is not the tenet of journalism that I grew right. up with. Right. right. Yeah, so we, that part's difficult. Both broadcast journalism majors, and, and it's just like so counterintuitive to everything that we were taught in our training. Right. It's just like... Yeah. No, no what, what we got to present balance and and try to find truth somewhere in there and not really inflect our opinion on it. Yeah. Um, but that's not the way it goes anymore. Well, not, in th not in those formats. And if, I you, say. and if you start complaining about about Donald Trump, 
the person you're speaking with will start complaining about Biden. Right. And you'll both have something to complain about. So why don't you not complain and say, okay, well. What can we, what do, can we do that we agree on? Yeah, what, what's there to do? And that's what Governor Cox is doing. Disagree better. Try and get it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, hey, that's this has been funner to time. I mean, I go on the Hinkley Report or some of these other uh, brainy talk shows, and uh, I'd much rather come talk. 1977 freshman <laughs> BYU. Fall. That's because we're stupid. We're not the brainy no, talk shows. No, no, no. So we'll bring you back to sports. <laughs> it's, it's, we, this we, is like talking about your high school football career. Hey, it's look, like, we oh talked. We talked about football. What about the rest of BYU's fall sports? You know, we do women's soccer and women's volleyball. And hey, surprisingly, because basketball starts in the fall, what about this basketball team right now? Well, the basketball team, and it's and I like I like hearing your calls. I'm going. What are these two football guys doing calling basketball? But you do a great we'll see job. You tomorrow. Hey, night. we call we call basketball UNLV too. Both <laughs> well, of us. I didn't know that. That's yeah. uh, that's great. Incidentally, trivia question. You know, BYU had a 17 game win streak back in like in '81 or something. UNLV came into uh, Cougar Stadium, threw a pass over into the corner and broke that. Uh, yeah, Sam that Sam King was Sam the quarterback. King. Do you remember that game? Yeah, yeah I think uh, Steve threw five picks. Yeah. Jim was out. Jim missed that game. I was yeah. at that game. Yeah. Came over the DBs. Had a minor the injury DB, that kept him out two games. Him. Utah State and UNLV that year. I was on the team that year. So. But that's that's how good BYU was in those years leading up to the national championship. 17-game winning streak, winning by huge margins. So if you lost a game, it was like, wait, what? Yeah, you what just happened? Well, yeah. you, in, in your mind, you would go, well, that's an aberration. We don't know what happened, yeah. but that will never, ever happen They still again. talk about that in Vegas. Yeah. My favorite, uh, the sport I watch is... Sandusky uh, was the wide receiver. Jimmy yeah, Sandusky. Jim Sandusky. He was good. He was good. Yeah. I'm, um, Tom Homo like, was back there trying to defend passes. Yeah. wasn't his well, best day. I have a Tom Homo story, too. I come back from my mission. I'm in spring ball, and they move me from safety to cornerback, and I can't play cornerback. I have no footwork, no anything. And I got hit, and I thought, oh, my gosh. that, You know, I just forgot how hard it hit. But Tom was a defensive back. He won't know, he won't know me or my name or from anything. But, oh, but he knows he started, you're the editor of the Deseret News. Well, he does now. Um, we have an editor. <laughs> this sounds stupid. I'm the executive editor, but I don't want to You're in charge of the editor. All right. Editor. So okay. we have both. Um, but he's saying, you know, Doug, try and do this. And he was showing me footwork. And everything. so I got a view that, oh, this guy's going to be, he's going to be a coach. He's going to be coach. He's going to do something. And you ended up having Tom Homo, Bill Ring, all at Stanford, then at, you know, under Bill Walsh. Yeah. And then you have, I mean, BYU is something. Nobody does that. Hey, Tom, they Tom, have people there. If you didn't see Tom's, um, we had Tom on a, on the show for more than an hour, right? Wasn't it yeah, about an hour? That's great. And and when he told us about when, uh, one of my favorite stories of the whole two years was Tom telling us about when Dion signed and he didn't know about it. And he went in to coach and said, how am I supposed to coach Deion Sanders? <laughs> it's like it was, I did see that. It, it was really fun. Well, just think really about fun. backing up Ronnie Lott and getting three yeah. rings and just, I mean, just And then incredible. he got a fourth as a coach. It's more than amazing. anybody in school history. Yeah. yeah. Did you ask him what happened at Cal? Because that doesn't make any sense that his career, we would have that one I, year I've, at Cal. I've talked to him in private a, a lot about it, and they did a phenomenal job recruiting. Um, and he said that uh, earl, earlier he needed to recognize that there were some changes that needed to happen on the staff, but he was... Too loyal to the guys that kind of been there, but before was it Mooch that left, Mariucci that left and left him that, yeah. and that he knew that things needed to be changed and and it just kind of crumbled in on him. And if he could go back and do it over again, he would be more proactive and make those yeah. changes. By the way, probably the best group coming out of BYU right now is the women's track and field stars. They have pros now with Courtney oh, Wayne. Right. They're great and uh, Anna Camp Bennett, and um, I'm missing one. Connor Mance is uh, well. Connor Mance is fantastic. He's one top, and you got the steepler yeah. now, who's yeah. you know who won the national championship. 
That's phenomenal. And they're all Utah guys. Yeah. I mean, they're homegrown people. So. And, and women's soccer is like, they just every year are putting somebody in, in na uh, National Women's Soccer. Yeah, that's right. Ashley Hatch is right there seeing right. if she gets On to national the Olympics team, yeah. or not. It's a, it, as you look at the Big 12 and, and year two, even though half the sports are still in year one, but, but um, this has been such an interesting thing because you mentioned football gets all the attention. So five and seven wasn't great. Uh, six and six for some reason would have been so, so way much better. better. And then go in a bowl game uh, and be seven and six would have felt yeah, great. Sort of it's too bad about the bowl you know, game. But, um, but as a whole, BYU on a competitive level in the Big 12 um, is competing like it's always been in the Big 12. And now Texas, which has been their nemesis in volleyball and, and in uh, the conference champion in football, and they're tough in women's basketball. They're tough in every sport. They, they, they are who they are. They're leaving. There's a opportunity for BYU in year two, three, and four to, to move into the upper echelon of the Big 12 and, and act like they've always been there. And I think they can do it. And the, great, and the thing that's so interesting, uh, folks in Salt Lake City think University of Utah is the one to do that. So that heightens the rivalry. Again. Yeah. Because BYU thinks, no, we're, we're pretty darn good. Here's our record. And University of Utah says, yeah, well, we did have two Pac-12 or um, yeah, Pac-12 championships. So I hope it's friendly. I hope yeah, it's cordial. But, it's going to uh, be it, awesome. It'll, it'll, yeah. it'll be awesome. And it's, it's great for our business. Utah's, Utah's <laughs> had a huge, huge advantage being the Pac-12 the last 10 years um, that they don't have anymore. And now not only do they not have that advantage, now they're in the same league People forget when BYU and Utah were in the same league, um, it was the other way around. Well, and what it, it took nine, ten years to get a championship right. for Utah. Right. So we're here talking about the first year, yeah. and it's like, oh, we needed two more games. But yeah, and, know, I, and I don't know that Utah happens. competed in all the other sports the way BYU's competed in the fall. No. I mean, it took all of the sports some time to, with a few exceptions, to make it where, where I feel like BYU was Big Twelve ready in. Almost all fall sports, with the exception of football. Yeah, so who's BYU's quarterback next year? We, it could be somebody in the portal. Do you think it is a but portal? They're not going to pay $2.5 million for him. No, and here's, here's the other thing. People are discounting Ryder Burton, too. They forget that they brought Ryder Burton in thinking he was the next Zach Wilson, and he's just a freshman, really smart, can spin it like crazy, a um, little different style because he's not a big-time RPO run guy, um, but he can run. And so I think that job's up for grabs. Um, and I, I don't think they're just going to take anybody out of the portal. If you got a superstar, which I don't think they will, you could get a one and done. But I think if they're going to get somebody in the portal, they need somebody that has a couple of years. I don't, at that, yeah, at and that then, position. And they have them compete, right? You have can't them give them the job. You, you, right. you, recruit, you recruit over the top of quarterbacks. That's just what you do. You have to because you don't know who's going to turn out. It's the most unpredictable um, position to project. Um, from junior college to, to, to big time, from high school to, you know, it, it's just such a tough position to project who's going to be good and who's not. If we learn anything from this season, I think as long as Aaron Roderick is the offensive coordinator, there will never be a quarterback on the field that doesn't run the RPO. Well, then, and so if that, now you've limited a certain absolutely, number of people. Who absolutely. Are in. And so that in the portal, whoever they go get is going to be an RPO guy. The guys they recruit, henceforth, are going to be RPO guys. If, if Ryder Burton doesn't evolve into an RPO guy, and there's no reason to think he can't, he won't play. It's, it's, it, See, Aaron which, learns. Which, is, which, is, let me, which, which let me tell you something, is a huge mistake to make that statement. And he has made it. It's which, because my feeling is, if you got a kid that wants to come here, 
and he's the best drop back passer in the country, which BYU has the capability of getting. So, so say there's an LDS kid coming out of Arizona because John Beck's not an RPO guy. Right. Max Hall's not an RPO guy, right? So if you make that statement, um, then you're eliminating some opportunities because if John Beck's coming out, I want John Beck, and I will change my offense to fit John Beck's needs because he's an NFL guy. What we learned with Slovis was here's a kid who throws for 11,000 yards. He's not an RPO guy. He's not a runner. Tried to make him a runner. Got him hurt. And then we had to put in a JC kid who never played a Division One down. Um, not to say that he won't be great someday, but that's what we had. And we lost four games against four good teams. But uh, we, when, when, when Slovis came in, we were all under the impression and talking with, with Slovis and talking with Aaron that they were going to sling it around. Because that's what he does. He did it at USC, did it at Pitt. He didn't run the option at any of those places. But then we started seeing him run the option to start taking hits. And that's not him. Yeah, we found out he hurt his shoulder in the Arkansas game. Nobody knew, And he tried to play with a bad shoulder until they got enough games under their belt that, that uh, you know, they could save the redshirt year, um, you know, for the other quarterbacks. Um, but, like, look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's quarterback. He's not an RPO guy. Yeah, one and done. He's guy. a he's, he's, he's well, a big you, you throw it around guy. I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, he did Cole, have the best was, running back in America. Yeah, he did because Ollie that. Gordon was something special. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's tough. I don't know how people survive in coaching, but but uh, you know yeah. what RPOs do? RPOs bail the coordinator out. How many times did Taysom Hill bail Robert and I out by just running? Yeah. Jaron Hall running. Zach Wilson running. Yeah, got hurt, paid the price for it three of those four years. But back up, nobody's open, you run, and everyone thinks the offense is clicking because it's first down, first down, first down. you got to get the first down. That's why Jake Heaps couldn't get the first down. That was the problem, right? Amazing arm. He wasn't going to run. He he wasn't going to run. So you've got to get in and half that. If it's third and three or four, don't you, as a quarterback, say, okay, I'm going to take it and go if I have to? Or do if, you never if, go if, if it opens up. And, and, see, and Ryder Burton is more athletic than you think. He's just, I just don't think that Ryder Burton's the guy to come run this, like literally a triple option, you know, run, you know, an RPO where it's like, do I give? Do I keep? Do I throw it? Like, that's going to put pressure on the defense, you know, going out there running like a Taysom Hill will, right? Um, or even like a Zach. But, but, but Zach Ryder Burton is a guy that would drop back. And if everybody's covered and you leave a run lane, he'll go run for a first down. He'll go run nine yards for a first down. Um, but a true RPO guy, like this dual threat, but we should describe a dual threat because they're, they're talking about we got to have a dual threat guy in today's game. Well, you know, Caleb Williams is a dual threat guy, but he gotten hurt a couple couple of times. And they lost a lot of games. And they lost a lot of games with a dual no threat defense. guy, right? No defense. Um, yeah. No defense. You got to have some defense with uh, a dual the, threat. The, the, the best team in America for the last two years was Georgia with a quarterback that's a drop back guy that can run enough, but not run an RPO. But you know what they do? They put big offensive lines in front of them and great running backs behind them. I think BYU needs to get back in the business of dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and being able to run the football when they want to run the football, a play action pass, and throw the football. Um, well, now you sound like Steve Young, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, Steve Young could run, but he became the best passer in the NFL how many years in a row? A lot. A lot of years. But, and they didn't run RPO with Steve that's Young. That's right. But well, even though they could have. They could have. Yeah, and, right. and he kind of ran his own RPO. Well, no, but, but <laughs> Steve Young was the guy that would make you pay if you didn't contain him or if you left a rush lane open. Yeah. And I do think you need to have that. I think you have to have a quarterback that's mobile enough to bail you out and make a defense pay if they drop eight, 
right? And can, can find those lanes. But I don't think you need to have a quarterback that's a dual threat. Guy runs a 4-5-40 and is going to kill the defense because we have an extra running back. Go recruit running backs and get big linemen and have your quarterback throw it all over the place. And and BYU can do that consistently. So I, that's just my opinion. Do you have any eligibility left? I wish I still it's had some. has got to be a year in there. Scrambling, scrambling would be... Yeah. Would, would get him. The Spanish Those linebackers flu, are fast. And here's, and here's the thing: I can run RP. I could. And it, not now. I would die. Like both <laughs> hamstrings would fall off. But, but in in my peak of health and age, I could have run RPO all day long. But if you're going to run RPO, you have to have a backup that runs RPO because your guy's going to get hit and get hurt. And um, and if you're going to run drop back, you've got to have a backup that runs drop back. But when Slovis went out and Retzloff came in, totally different quarterback, totally different Complete offense. Different skill set. Yeah. Four legit defenses going up against. He had such a small margin for error, and then he made some errors that were huge in games that, that he could have won uh, and really could have taken that job and said, guys, I beat Oklahoma. I beat Oklahoma State. I'm your yeah, man. Then he would come and into it would be it totally different. One, right? yeah. But now it, it left to scratch in your head going, what we can't do is go into year two not knowing that that position's not secure and the guy behind him and, is ready to go. But is it, and, his, is it his fault on that 100-yard interception return? Yeah. Or did they call the wrong play? No, it's his him. fault. They gave him the option He's to supposed pass. to hand no, off. No, they didn't. Okay. He's supposed to hand off. Okay, so it was just it was, it was wrong. Yeah, and he mentioned it after. He goes, yeah, that was my mistake. Yeah. That was my mistake. Yeah, that was my mistake. And it we, was. We wouldn't was, throw him under the bus, but he threw right. himself under the and bus. It was brutal. And, and you know, live and learn. Uh, but you win that game, then you go back to Oklahoma State playing with house money. Yeah. And now you might be in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. You know, instead we're Which, which I'm really disappointed I got chased from the Cheez-Its Bowl because I love the Cheez-Its. <laughs> you, just, you just need practice, so those guys are having to wait lift now. We are on with Doug Wilkes, the executive editor of the Deseret News, which is based out of Salt Lake City and um, covers the world. Are you ready for five questions? Oh, yeah, I forgot we do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This you is like the question. We're going to see how you know. No, we never no, do. We never the do. Questions. These are first thing that pop right. into your head questions. Me. So here we go. Um, favorite sports movie? Uh, favorite sports movie? Uh, well, it's, it's stupid, but it's Brian's song. Why, why is that stupid? No, that's, that was just the anniversary the other day. Who, Brian's that, song. Brian's who song did we just have movie. on that said that? Uh, it might have been Harvey Longy. Yeah, Harvey might have said that. Yeah, that was a good movie. Brian's song. Yeah, Plus, that's Gil Sayers, I was a fan. I can, so. I can yeah. watch that movie still and cry. That's a sad yeah. one. Like It's it's amazing. Go so. Bears. Uh, and who was the co-star of that? Um, James Caan. James Caan, uh, the guy from The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. played a, he, he played He played the lead role, right? Yeah, that was good. So good. Brian's song. Okay, your favorite singer or band? Uh, the Who. The Who. Oh, see, now Classic that's old rock. school. That's good Did stuff. you ever see them in concert? I did not. I mean, I saw some good concerts back in the what day. What was the best one you ever saw? Uh, Tina Turner. Really? Oh, she, she's an entertainer. Yeah, like she was no an entertainer. Other. Crosby, Steals, and Nash was great. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, that's... Did that's you ever see Def Leppard? No. Oh, you should see Def Leppard. I don't think I should. Hedrick and I have seen him <laughs> like four times. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Okay, hey, maybe. ACDC, is ACDC your favorite? I, I like them all. I like, I like a lot of different stuff. Uh, I saw them in concert in Vegas, and that was awesome. Yeah, you he's probably saw everyone in Vegas. We've seen a lot. Everyone, goes everyone, everyone to came Vegas. to the Thomas and Mac in Vegas. Everybody Everybody comes. that is anybody. So, Okay, your favorite breakfast cereal. This is important, so think, you know. Uh, this is easy, Captain Crunch. Okay. okay. That's Dave's. I had that this morning. It's very good. It's and you don't do the Crunch Berries or the peanut butter? You just do the no, straight Captain Crunch? Crunch Berries are an abomination. And it doesn't hurt the top of your mouth, the roof of your mouth? It does, but in a good way. But it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Okay. It's like, it's like 
scratching mosquito bite. You know, it's not. It, it feels good right this time. We don't make fun of. We don't make fun of anyone that picks a sugar cereal. Anybody that picks a healthy cereal, we we kind of. We can't. Well, if I pick a healthy serum, I'm going to go home. My wife's going to go, you lied. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I wrote a column once at Rick's College for the scroll when I was a student there about how um, uh, Captain Crunch rips the roof, uh, the upper roof of your mouth off, but it's worth it. (laughs) For for the second week in a row, my pre-show meal was Cinnamon Life. So there you go. That's good. Um, How about uh, your favorite story to report? The favorite story you've ever reported on? It's a great question. Uh, probably favorite one was when I was a young reporter and um, they were bringing remains home from Vietnam of a, oh, uh, of a Benjamin, Utah, by, by Spanish Fork uh, yeah. uh, flyer. And I got to know the widow and got to know the family and they buried him on a hill. Uh, it's either Spanish Fork or Benjamin, but it's a hill. It was cold. It was just the family. And uh, it was moving to me. And... Uh, yeah, to report that and think, I can't screw this up. I have to, I have to report this right. Yeah. And I was really, really young, but it was so impressionable. There have been other really sort of more significant stories, but to the family, nothing more significant. And it taught me there's no small story. Yeah. You know, so that was, that was a, good, a good story to And do. when you were done, did you feel like you told his story? Uh, yeah, and hers. And hers. Her stories. They had, you know, the, the hands of the kids around the sidewalk, and uh, she hadn't heard for... I mean, this is, you know, Vietnam ended, what, 75? Yeah. This had to be like 80-something, 80 80, 85, maybe something like that. Mm. So it had been years with, without them, and they found the remains, and oh, they brought wow. them back, and yeah, it was pretty emotional. And that's so long ago, but that helped form how I approach news. So that's why that was so important. There's no small stories. I love that. Yeah. I remember uh, we are, when Andrew was 18 months, he almost drowned. And uh, gave him CPR and brought him back. And we're in the, uh, my wife was at the hospital with him. And I was at home with Madison. And we were watching the news that night. And our story came on. Now, they couldn't get in the neighborhood because it was gated and all that stuff. So they showed, shot the outside of it and this and that and talked about the first near drowning of the season in Las Vegas. And it was traumatic. The whole thing was traumatic. But then watching it, watching my trauma on TV, no one knew it was us. Um, I just remember watching that and then the world changed a little bit. It's like those stories were then the hardest to ever report on the news, even if it was 20 well, seconds. Yeah, and you, and but the you, fact that you knew that was important. Yeah. You lived it. And then you also s- realized that the viewer or those who experience it, that it's actually their crisis, not, yeah. not your crisis that you're reading about on, on TV, trying to get it right. And it was just very profound to me of I'm listening to my own crisis on the news and I had the luxury of no one knowing it was us, but uh, just that f- responsibility of treating things a certain way when things go bad—that um, that that was that was a profound moment. That reminded yeah, me of you that. have to you have to take it you have to take it seriously. You take the news seriously. You don't take yourself seriously. Yeah. And you were really great at this at KSL, where you would, if it's a light moment, if it's sports, if you're having fun, great. But you know you can't. You can't do that for every story, and you have to be aware of the impact. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, our last of the five, your favorite BYU memory. doesn't have to be sports-related at all. Just your favorite BYU memory. Um, wow. Favorite BYU memory. I had stopped playing football. I stopped in the spring. 
and my father came over from London, and we went to San Diego to watch the Holiday Bowl with Jim McMahon and SMU, and it was as miserable a game as I'd ever seen. But we <laughs> stayed. You stayed, and then the last five minutes were the story were fantastic, and my father and I were leaping around and jumping, and it was this most amazing thing. And then the headline in the paper was, you know, miracle, you know, miracle finish, miracle bowl in the San Diego Union. Yeah. And uh, that's probably the favorite for all the reasons you can think of, mm-hmm. you know, for family and not being on the field with, and I know those guys then, right? Because yeah. I had, yeah. I knew who they were. And um, and then you think, man, I, you know, what if I should have should have stayed played? You always think you should have still played until you realize <laughs> that you're putting in five hours a day doing something so I could be a third string something. So. Yeah. But that was a that was a good memory, and there's a lot of them. I mean, you mentioned Danny Angel was a freshman in '77, and right. what mm-hmm. he did in his career was amazing, and and all the guys that followed, right? Fred Roberts and just all those guys. So it's worth understanding your roots, and so all those guys who are playing so well right now in the NFL and everywhere, I'll have a lot to thank for guys you know like you and others who put the time in. So Wally Joyner was there when. During your era, we had him on the show yeah, a couple weeks ago. Fascinating ago. story. Such a he had so many great stories. Well, and he's great in the baseball program. You know, I like baseball. My son, yeah. my son-in-law pitched for BYU. Uh, um, Brandon Kinzer and yeah, getting involved. I mean, nothing better than Saturday afternoon. Just a few folks in the stands, but it's it's sunny. You're back there with uh, Gary Shady. Gary Shady. He's talking. telling a fishing story of some sort. Yeah. Gary Shady, my, uh, his daughter was my niece's roommate at BYU. It's just, there's all these connections. Yeah. Um, so That's the power, yeah. of, it's the power of sports. It's the power of the show. It's the power of Cougar Nation. We're all connected by so many things, and so much of it that's good is connected through sports. Yeah. Well, even my brother and I, we talk about upstate New York, and you're from there, and, and Jim or Fredette, and yeah. you, uh, yeah, we're texting every Saturday, right? And, you know, saying, really? You know, <laughs> really? <laughs> How many times do you type that? So it is. Sports is great, and uh, that's not the only thing. You know, at the end of the day, okay. It's BYU a nice... win five and seven. Yeah. Let's move on to Christmas. Yeah. So It's a nice diversion from the hard realities of life. And sometimes it gets too extreme and you have to pull back a little bit. But for the most part, when sports is kept in check, uh, after my wife reminds me of this all the time, if it's kept in check, it's fun and good and enhances our experience. Um, and uh, if it gets out of hand, then then it gets stupid. Yeah, and, and, and when Governor Herbert came on, um, he, 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 men, he mentioned, hey, sports is part of the fabric of society, and, it's, and it can be a really good force for, for positive things and can bring people together and connect people and all that. It can also get ugly if, if rivalries get too, yeah. or if you get so caught up in it that you're de- just depressed because of what 18-year-old kids could or couldn't do on the field, then, then, yeah. then, then it's taken it too far. And, um, so, but there's just so many good good things that sports brings to, to our well, society. Well, there's so many personal stories. I mean, you could have Mark Wilson on again and feel an hour and a half and yeah. be fantastic or, or yeah. any. And, and the non-stars, right? I'm, a, I'm a, uh, a freshman scrub, but I got to go against Todd Christensen and Gifford Nielsen and Mark Wilson. And, you know, those are pretty good memories, mm-hmm. even though you're not, you know, I'm not on the field in Cougar Stadium. Just, just watching that and then thinking about it. And then watching Christensen in the pros. And, you know, you watch all these guys in the pros. Zach Wilson, you know, will he have a second 
second chance with a different team than the Jets. Oh, yeah. I, I hope agree, so. I agree with you that not to bring this to a screeching halt, but that's the worst my, organization. My brother get, get, Mark, get him out of there. Go, go yeah, get him some place good. Go somewhere else. My younger brother Mark, the youngest of the ten McCanns, was a um, the scout team quarterback for one year at BYU and uh, Rob Morris, they go up against the defense and Rob Morris happened to be the linebacker, yeah. hit him every day, hit him hard. And that's, that's his, after a year he goes, you know what? I'm moving on. Well, I don't, some, I don't need this in yeah. my life, well, I but the moved, memories of the freight train coming in. It is, you, you know, and um, did you have concussions? Um, oh, I'm sure I did. I, um, but we didn't, I remember the getting protocol. hit. There was no protocol. I right? ran. Just, I, I ran. You know, they hold up oh, fingers. How I ran over to our sideline, um, and got hit. And I mean, I think the first thing that hit the ground was the back of my head, five yards out of bounds. Because I remember Mike Holmgren telling me, "What? What are you doing? Like, why are you doing that?" And I remember multiple times, like silver. You know, they say you see stars, like little silver things flying all around, and you do this and try. To, and they go, "You okay? Yeah, I'm fine." And you run back out on the field. And, but that doesn't happen anymore. Now when you no. go, I've got little silver things flying around, they take you out, right? But you probably think about, boy, I hope I'm okay in 20 years. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, you have that. Every thought. now and then his concussion my, my show wife, up on the show. My wife reminds me that something's messed up. <laughs> well, something's it, messed it, up. It can happen. Was it great being with Holmgren? I forgot he was your coach. Yeah, so Andy Reid was our graduate assistant with quarterbacks. Mike Homer was our quarterback coach. Ted Tolner was the year before that. Um I was recruited by Doug Scoville and and uh, and uh, Fred so we Whittingham. Have, we have that in common. Look how we turned out. Yeah, yeah. right there, sitting and, next uh, to each other. No, we had we had and Norm Shaw was our was our wide receivers coach at that time and play in play co play calling with Mike Holmgren. Um, and, and Norm was a genius in what he was doing and how and the demands that he made and how he just demanded excellence. Um, when I look at like nineteen. 83, who I think is one of the greatest football teams of all time, was with Steve Young at the helm for us at quarterback. And we lost that opener to Baylor and then didn't lose the rest of that season, finished number seven. 84, 85, I, I get thinking, man, we must have been really, really talented. And we had a bunch of NFL guys. But then I look at those team pitchers and I look at the coaching staffs. I'm like, wow, this is like a who's who in coaching. Maybe we weren't so great. Maybe we were really well coached because that makes a huge difference. And yeah. uh, some some amazing coaches that Lavelle brought in that blossomed and went on um, coaches up during those days. Like I, I feel unbelievably blessed for who I got to be with in terms of coaches during that time. Yeah. So really the games don't matter, but what you learn that relationship being in the locker room and even being in some of the huddles with Lavelle where he would say such, so little and you kind of go, man, this is, you know, he really is letting his coaches coach and he did. Yeah. Um, or, or the exit interview, like I had an exit interview after freshman year, and I didn't really appreciate that Lavelle was Lavelle, because <laughs> yes. it's, 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 you know, I'm right. a freshman kid, I'm about to go on a, a mission, and I didn't know, and not, not everyone was going on missions at that point, Right. Um, but I wish I had appreciated that a little more in that moment, and gave a little more thought to seeking his advice. Well, that's why we get wiser as we get older. Well, we look yeah, back and we go. go to our kids, hey, you should listen to this, or you should do that. Uh, yeah, our, our two graduate assistants that my one year were um, Andy Reid and Kyle Whittingham. Yeah. They turned out okay. They, yeah. They're doing all right. <laughs> they're still doing all right. <laughs> Doug Kyle. Wilkes from the Deseret News. Thanks for driving all the way down here to our secret <laughs> yeah, location. Yeah, this is fun. Don't this tell anybody a, where this is because this is a non-disclosed this location. This is a cave. This yeah. is, this yeah. is yeah. quite something. So yeah. Now we, ha we had Sherry Dew on here a while back. Now we've had two major yes. journalistic execs. Yeah, two Sherry's major media moguls. Moguls. Is what we call them. They're media moguls. Together. She's, uh, yeah, she's great. But that's the thing, right? You know, you can talk sports 
with anyone. Sherry's great yeah. talking sports. Well, if she, we ever have a meeting going south, we bring up BYU and we know, okay, we <laughs> Sherry's like, wise you know, man. She told us about her experience as an all state basketball player back in Kansas. Growing she up. was good. Did she you very line. She should have oh, yeah. played, like played at points? BYU, but she said she was too shy to play at BYU. She was really, really good. Yeah. yeah, great. Player. We could have used her. Yeah. We could have used her. And she had great player. insights on basketball. We we talked sports with Sherry. We talked everything with Sherry, but we talked sports with Sherry, which and she was like on the money. It's fun. Well, we got to get that Deseret News basketball team back going. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we'll start the ski school again, and then we'll go basketball. Ski school. <laughs> uh, you're going to watch us tomorrow night. BYU and Evansville. That's going to be actually a. That's going to be a challenging yeah, game for BYU. Text a critique yeah. now that I've been Texas right during the game. We'll we'll look at it. Yeah, them. we hey, we look at we look at our text at timeouts cuz people text us important stuff sometimes. Like, "Hey, get some milk on the way home." Just, you <laughs> yeah. know, things, no, no. They'll text like us that. like, "Hey, we're from Evansville. That guy's name is not this. It's pronounced this." We're like, "Oh, that's Thank you. Gross. Appreciate that." And it's not what the sports information director told us, but but since you're his mom, okay. <laughs> yeah. What well, you know, one thing that you do great that I'll compliment you on is um on the on the you know, the pregame and the postgame with BYU TV. I never felt like you were trying to snow us. I feel like you're telling the truth. You're making predictions. You're frustrated in the right times. You know, you're just like, um, you know, Brian Logan, sometimes he's going. It's group therapy <laughs> yeah. sometimes. It yeah. is, but, but it's a good show. I mean, yeah. we're, you know. I'm no, we, we love it. And when, when they came to Dave and I, and Dave was down in Vegas, and I was off doing stuff with NBC, and, and they wanted to rebuild the thing, we said we're only going to come back if we can do it like a network show. Like, we don't want to come back and be the BYU Homer crew. We want to come back, and we want to do it like a network show. We want to be – and, you know, we'll have ties to BYU, but we want to be able to call it like it is. We want to be able to represent the other team and, and, and get their insights. We want to have relationships with the opposing coaches. We want to do all that. And and uh, they said, yeah, that's what we want to do too. Well, that's the, our vision and too. And the Big 12 coaches, the other media, they're going, wow, what are you, you guys are really doing yeah. something here. Yeah. The, uh, that's what, so it's just going to build. It's really great. The opposing audience is more important to BYU TV, which, you know, diehards don't like to hear. But, yeah, that's that's true. The audiences that we want to have come back to BYU TV. Now we're on ESPN+. Plus, yeah, we do all the ESPN+. But it's still all now. of us. And so, uh, but our, all our shoulder programming on BYU TV, whether it's game day or the pre and post game for basketball or AFR or the coordinator's corner or the Sataki or Pope shows, all those things are designed – uh, to get the other team to come back and watch the rest of what BYU TV has to offer, and and maybe it changes their life in a little bit, and then at least they found a channel that they can have on where they don't have to run and turn before you know a scene or words. It's just it's just hard to find. It's hard to find good TV. Have you had Connor Mance on yet? Did we have Connor after? Can no, we, Connor? we had. Uh, oh no, we brought we brought um, the other one, the one who won it before him that oh, we mentioned oh, earlier, Jared Ward. No, who'd we have? Dang. Maybe we did we have Connor. We need to get Connor on. Connor, I mean, yeah, he's making a run for the Olympics, right? So you got six months. Felt like we had him on after you won last year. Those guys, are, they're did. amazing. Yeah, yeah they're great talent. It's just because you can't fake it. You have to put in the training. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's one of the world's best right now, so it's fun. Yeah, we, we're lucky because now, now we get to call Evansville tomorrow. And when, when the Big 12 came and said, hey, we, we, we want you to do the Big 12 now, package for ESPN+, Plus, you don't have to do anything different. We don't have to call the games different now that it's that it's just as important. Like because we can just call it the way we've yeah, called. Radio it, can we be we and us and all that stuff, but not TV. Yeah, the, the folks in Evansville tomorrow night are important to us. Yeah, yeah, they they have to watch it and feel like they got fairly represented. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, it's like you know, basketball is off to a good start, so we'll see where it goes. It'll really fun. Yeah. How about that? All right, Doug Wilkes, executive editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Guys. 
Like, I Appreciate thought it'd be on five minutes. That was longer than I thought. Yeah. Nah, well, we remember no, what we said about a half nobody hour. Nobody gets to do five minutes <laughs> but on then this we show. Just, then we just kept going because uh, it's well, good. I kept asking Blaine questions. No. So I'm curious about, I mean, that that national championship team and all the lead up, man, it's fantastic. It's fun hey, time. Hey, while you're sitting there, let's finish up our uh, our show. Yeah. Uh, on uh, on this day, December fourth, we like to have a little history thing at the yeah. very end. Yeah, this is puts really, it all perspective. We should, we're going to start all the way back in sixteen nineteen, because <laughs> in sixteen nineteen, we, we go old school on, on December fourth. That's the first Thanksgiving in America in Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I think the Cougars beat Utah by six that year. <laughs> in sixteen nineteen. Have you already thought of the headline you're going to use when BYU beats Utah in Salt Lake next Thanksgiving weekend? I have not, but I will give something that to think yeah. about that. We send that to us, and we'll put we'll put it out on the show. All right. 1791 on this day, Britain's Observer is first published. It's the oldest Sunday paper in the world. 1791. How about in 1881, the first edition of the LA Times is published. We're doing a newspaper. Yeah, I can yeah, see it. Yeah, so what it yeah. took them 31 years after the Deseret News got started yeah. to get going they over They wanted there. to learn how to do it, yep. and then we gave them a lot of <laughs> expertise. Plus, they were out rounding up all the gold and stuff over there. All right, 1909. Yeah, that, that's the first CFL Grey Cup was played. It was the Toronto Blues, which now are the Argos, Toronto Argonauts, and they played the Tor- the they played the Toronto Parkdale. Yeah, uh, they beat them twenty six to six. So, yeah. So there's one Toronto team now. It's the Argonauts. Uh, Nineteen twenty on this day, the first pro football game in this country. Buffalo beat Canton three a uh, seven to three. Buffalo and Canton seven to three. They played in little stadiums back in those yeah. days. And they, were running, they were running the players, Jets offense. Players had yeah. jobs they in were, other places. They're running so. the same yeah, they're Jets running, place. The Jets have the same management team <laughs> runs the Jets. So 1954 on this day, December 4th, the first Burger King opened in Miami, Florida. Changed the world we live in. Yes, it did. The Whopper. Do you know what? Every once in a while, like maybe once a year, I just go, you know what I'm craving right now? A Whopper with cheese. And you know, and they taste the same. Watch. They taste the same as when we were growing up. That grilled, we still tastes good. We did a 19-day cruise. Flame broil or is, whatever. This is a number of years ago where we started in Rio de Janeiro, and we worked our way up through South America and through the Caribbean, and we finished in Florida. 19 days. It's a long cruise. And 19 days is a long time to be eating bananas, foster, and all these foo-foo foods. We got to St. Thomas. And I got off that ship and I just said, I have got to find a fast food restaurant. And I went right down the street and the first place I saw was Burger King and I had a double beef whopper with cheese. And it was, it was, I still remember that meal. Lancey, <laughs> Lancey bleeds blue out of South Salt Lake on the Wise Guys tonight. Lancey, thanks for joining the show. Wait, and the Coog dude says he just found out that yesterday his 12th great grandpa was William Stone that arrived in Virginia Colony in 1619. So... He was probably at that first Thanksgiving. Thanks so for way sharing to, Way that. to go, Coop, dude. Birthdays on this day, December 4th, 1840, Crazy Horse. Yeah. It was, what, do you know what tribe, like Crazy Horse? You're talking about the, the Native American yeah, the chief, chief, right? Yeah. I don't know what tribe, but okay. I, just, I, just, I just put that. So 19... <laughs> like that one. I didn't make it up. I just didn't put the whole identifier. 1949, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, you know, what, you know what his big role was? He's in a lot of movies. Yeah, he's been in a ton of movies. But he was the dude in Iron Man, you know, the oh, bad guy. Oh, yeah. In Iron Man that. 1. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where I in, know In 1969, way, way more in my yeah, frame of thinking. I put this in for you. He, he, he knows I'm a hip-hop guy. He's, he's an ACDC guy. I'm a hip-hop guy. I grew up in New York playing basketball and football. Jay-Z, 1969. That's Here's the power difference. couple of all entertainment. Here's the difference between ACDC and hip-hop. I can play ACDC in front of my mother. Hip hop, you can't. 
Well, too many words. You have to get the edited versions. You have to get the edited <laughs> Are versions. You not, you're no Taylor Swift fans in here. I, mean, I like, I like we think she's, she's we, we like she, we think she's awesome. You need yeah. to get her on the show. It's amazing we, what we've tried to get her on the show, and we'll keep working. on I keep it. telling working. my wife it's, it's amazing what Travis Kelsey has done for Taylor Swift's career, though. Yeah. Like it's he's really. Andy Reid's got to be our conduit to getting Taylor Swift. So we're gonna have to go yeah. that way. So Jay Z and Beyonce are they not the biggest power couple in America? So maybe. Our Wise Guys Inspirational Quote of the Week is President Jeffrey R. Holland, acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Yeah, and and one of our dear friends yeah. who was a president while we were there. That's the other, like not only do we have good coaches, but Jeffrey R. Holland was sitting on the bus with us to all of our yeah. games for And now for he's all president again, which he likes. Which is yes. We can call him President Holland again. Yeah. Does he do that every game? Yeah. He's he he rode on the team bus with us. It was yeah. That's really awesome. We I got to know I didn't him. Know that. That's great. Yeah. He told us in an interview a couple of years ago that he doesn't miss games when he's on the road, even if he's up at three AM listening on over the internet to KSL radio. Yeah. He does not miss BYU games. So he, which we love. El, Elder Holland and, and you know who else you like Elder Perry, whenever I would see him yep. um, before he passed, like he'd just be like, All right, Blaine, what is going on with these like he never missed a football or basketball? I don't game. know. It just gets a hold of you. It's I mean, I was a big 49er fan, but you know, not so much anymore. It's it's okay. San Francisco Giants, all of it for a time. I cannot I cannot release BYU. No. I, I just it's just and that's good. That's a good that's a good thing. You know what? Ute fans can't either. <laughs> okay, so back to Jeffrey R. Holland. Uh, right, President, the of the President week. Holland. Remember, but first and forever, there was just a little family without toys or trees or tinsel with a baby. That's how Christmas began. Very, yeah. very appropriate for this time of year. Well said. There was just a little family without toys or trees or tinsel that with a baby. That's how it began. You know what there is this year uh, for Christmas? There's a book available. Yes, Kelsey's there is. for Cougar. Adesretbook.com. Did, did Sherry do, was she the publisher? Well, she, she approved I mean, the whole operation. Like she, she like sign off DJ, on that? DJ, you're going to put that up there. And then uh, you can get it. It's $14.99. It's at Deseretbook.com, Seagull Book, Amazon, BYU Store, wherever it is. Wherever, uh, anyway, the two things. Uh, the alphabet's never going to go out of style, and BYU football's yeah, not going out of style. this is a great book. Like, it sits on my desk, and I like I thumb through it all the time. It's a great it's I a hope great you got it for the grandkids. So if I you haven't, you, I you got time. I don't I think know if we need to do a follow-up book. I the got Deseret the first alphabet. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> I got right. the first yeah. copy because we had the <laughs> unveiling here, and I took the first copy, and Dave signed it. Well, so I, I should have gone with Wilkes at W, my... but there was a couple other Ws. There was there was Mark Wilson, there was Zach Wilson, there was Jamal Williams. I still can't believe Doug I Wilkes. Make it. There's the link to it. There's a coin This reminds me that we're way overdue for to go up to Salt Lake City and meet Sherry Dew for dinner. Yeah. So we we need to do that again. Yep. Uh, great things happen to us when we go to Salt Lake and have dinners. Yep. Yeah, come by. Stay Doug by. Wilkes. We'll take Doug with us. Our thanks to Doug and uh, David Nixon on with us tonight. Next week, Bronson Kafusi, and we'll break down next season. And, and, yeah. and, and you know what? There's a lot that's going to happen between now and next Monday oh, for BYU this, football. This transfer portal is about to go nuts in the next couple of days. So Bronson will be great to kind of look at all of that. Podcast will be up tomorrow. Uh, it's wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, and then look for clips on YouTube throughout the week. Highlights. Your highlights will be on YouTube throughout and, the and week. And don't, don't forget Doug. to join Dave and I uh, um, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, on ESPN Plus for the BYU-Evansville basketball game. That's 7-1 and one Evansville and 7-0 and oh BYU. This is, this is actually going to be a really intriguing game. I'm sad that you and I don't have the Utah game on Saturday. I know, but it's up there. 
Yeah, it's on a Pac-12 network if you can find it. If you can find, if you can find it, the Pac-2 network. Good night, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching.